In the second millennium, the world changed. Climate, nations, all were in upheaval. The earth was slowly being transformed into a poisonous scorched desert known as the 21st century earth. Millions of people crowded in front of movie screens to watch Kevin Costner have gills in Waterworld, to marvel at Sandra Bullock's perfect haircut in the net, and hoot and holler at the definitely not horrifyingly regressive politics of bad boys. Roving bands of street-savage directors and stars with more power and clout than ever before roamed the streets, creating bloated messes the Hollywood system could not control. Showbiz law, as we knew it, collapsed. From the decay rose a new order, a society ruled by a new elite force, a force with the power to dispense both justice and punishment. They were the police, jury and executioner all in one. They with the Disney executives. This is Judge Dredd. Hello, parolees, <laughs> and welcome to Supporting Cast, the show about the undersung heroes of the cinema industry. You may not recognize their names, but you will recognize their work. With me as always is Charlie Davenport. Hello. And Lincoln Vickery. Hello. Thank you for that wonderful intro. That's an okay yeah. intro, huh? I really yeah. liked it. I'm kind of enjoying yeah. writing them now. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think they're going to get longer every week. How do that, we feel about that? So that that may be a problem with our podcast <laughs> already having that issue. What I enjoyed about the vocal performance that you just gave was mm -hmm. it was giving like Sam Worthington doing Shakespeare or like, you know, that kind of like Australiana, like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I'm trying to get away. So I'm doing Shall that kind of like. Shall I compare thee to yeah. a summer's day? It's very specific, but I think you kind of nailed it. And, um, <laughs> so I don't know if well, that was what you're aiming was, for. I could have done the voice. A James which, L. Jones A James L. Jones. Well, I thought you were. I thought, no. <laughs> Have mean, you ever heard you James You were transported. I was like, wow, uh, this man did so well in The Lion But King. yeah, I um, I decided against that because one, I tried it at home and couldn't do it. And I, I just also tried it at home. Generally a bad idea. Yeah, I was I, trying a James L. Jones impression for way too long by myself. And all I got was the no from the end of um, uh, Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do, do you want to go on? Do you... <laughs> it's like a cow trapped in an echo chamber. Yeah, okay. Today we are talking about, it's our second episode in our Nigel Phelps series. So as Seamus summarised before, this is a podcast where we talk about supporting cast. So this doesn't necessarily mean, even though the first two miniseries we did do were about actors, uh, we decided we wanted to highlight all different sorts of roles within the film industry. So we have picked a prolific production designer, Nigel Phelps. And last week we did Batman, which actually he was not production designer on, but he was a part of the art department, did a lot of the matte drawings, uh, was art director, I believe. On he Batman. kind of got like retroactively promoted to art hmm. director in the credits. And he was one of the ones to receive the Oscar that Batman got. Like hmm. he was one of the people on stage, if I remember correctly. That's nice. So yeah. That's nice if you're interested nine. in learning about where Nigel Phelps' career started, uh, take a listen to that Batman episode because that goes through his early life and how he got to be a part of production teams of art and how he kind of the relationships that he formed with certain directors. And we delve into that a little bit and go through his like childhood and education a bit. Uh, um, a little bit. He yeah. got a grant. I couldn't find out what the grant was for. 
Um, very broadly, though, what he's been up to since Batman is, as I covered a little bit in the last podcast, he moved to America with his creative sort of mentor, Anton First, who very sadly just passed away. He sort of had to toss up with the big decision about whether or not to move back to England or to stay in America and keep working. He decided to take the plunge. He joined Propaganda Films, worked on a series of very high-profile music videos, working with Lenny Kravitz, David Bowie, In Vogue, I think they were. Um, and then who, who was in Vogue? The artist in Vogue was in Vogue At in the their music video. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Because he did such a good job. Yeah, great. Um, and then he got this uh, role. I couldn't really find out how he got it. He just seemed to finally get given the chance. So the the producer of this movie, whose name I've got written down later, seems like they were uh, trying to cut pennies in every single possible way they could. So a lot of the people that were hired on this movie were young first timers first timers that had never really done their kind of whole production I mean before. to be fair he got very lucky getting Nigel uh, very lucky getting Nigel and I think Would like, like have... the way that this producer talks about it he's like ah oh, and we just get people and they'll work all hours and and we <laughs> awesome. never and we get where we spend thirty thousand dollars and we get a ninety thousand dollar job and this would like, be Charles Lippincott no it's someone uh, marks uh uh, Bo E L Marks. Yeah, that's him. <laughs> so going right back to keep like just to general basic uh, for people who don't know what a production designer does. Uh, basically, the difference it's kind of you lead the entire art department team. So not only is a job very kind of creative in that way, you have to lead a whole team. You're in charge of hiring people who do the matte paintings, animatronics, everything like that, and you liaise with the director, and you are on set every day to aid build the sets, do all of that, oversee the whole art department and make sure that it's in line with the director's vision and your own vision. So it's a very creative role, hugely important to all film. Like some, I'd say in this is a great example of a production design outshining a film. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's a hugely important role and also it's about assembling a team, which is interesting, I think. So for him to have his first ever production design role be something as insane as this in terms of like workload in terms of like creativity it really does set up Nigel Phelps career because we do see him from here go into a bunch of other different worlds like action worlds big huge large scale uh lots of use of miniatures lots of use of and later on in his career CG as we get yeah. there so it's exciting thing and about there was some very early CGI on this yeah as well. yeah, yeah. And it's like heaps of it yeah like, like all of the a lot of the city all of that motorbike all of that motorbike chase who Nelly, that's good stuff. Uh, I I love that there was a yeah a period between Jurassic Park and mm, 2006 or something. I would say the Narnia movies. Yeah, maybe it's like we no one had really figured out how to do comp yet. Like no one had really figured out composite com compositing properly. Oh yeah, and so it's beautiful to me. It's very charming to watch someone that you're like. Those two, there are parts where, sorry, we will get to this. We will get uh, to this. Sylvester Stallone is like riding a motorcycle through a city and there is one light on his face that stays exactly the same as he goes through like multiple city blocks. And you look it's at- like, guys, just have like something go past him. And you look at the behind the screens of this and it's just him- Behind the screens. Behind the, <laughs> behind the scenes of this. And it's just him on a motorbike on this beautifully designed- quad like flying quad bike more sure, than a motorbike so. um and it's just him flat against a green screen like a newscaster like they're not doing any extra movement he's just doing like the lean back and forth awesome it is like it <laughs> it's is real like oh, student films first green screen like it's, it's more like the kind of thing you could do at questacon 
yeah. where it's like, oh, and you're I'm watching gonna... the screen and you're like looking at yourself. Oh my god! And it's like <laughs> you, stuff. you are going to be in Antarctica for this. Here's yeah. a penguin in the background, and it blows your mind when you are eight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And never it blows again. my mind now, man. It's just <laughs> exciting. Just it's the magic of cinema, you know. <laughs> but, although there are early uses of CG in this, including obviously the iconic quad flying bike scene. Um, I do think that there is still a lot. I watched the behind the scenes as well, and mm. the miniatures and everything, the scale of that, yeah. and seeing actually Nigel is interviewed in the behind the scenes, and you can see mm. footage of him standing amongst the city. I'm such a sucker for miniatures. I love minis. They're so, so much. good, and they look so great in this. And um, yeah, this. You know, when they're that size. They call them bigotches. Hey, so cute. I would say Bigotures. these are still miniatures. Oh, are they still? I didn't. I didn't watch the behind the scenes. I was so enthralled by this movie no, that that's I was fair. like, I don't want the. I don't want the magic ruined for me. Um, <laughs> Meanwhile, we're talking about the production designer, which is just like, how is all that magic made? I don't know, man. <laughs> just looks good to me. One um, thing Nigel did talk about was trying to get everything, all props, in a slightly larger scale to make them seem more futuristic. Yeah. Which I think really works for the movie, but it's really funny when you think about it. Wait, just, what? He's yeah. just like, oh, everything. Was future will be a little bit bigger yeah he thinks everything in the future will be a little bit bigger and you watch this movie and you're like yeah everyone seems downscale like you pick up like a shotgun in this and a shotgun now you can like it's a hefty instrument as you might say uh but you can hold <laughs> one in cool you could guy. hold one in one hand and then this the shotgun's the you size of like a guitar yeah like the whole thing you could hold it like that. <laughs> so certainly Arnold Schwarzenegger could. Yes. We've all seen him do that. And we've all seen him do that. We've all seen time. him do that. We've, multiple we've times. all seen him do that. We've seen Sylvester do that. And yeah. but this Sylvester hold picks up a shotgun and it looks like he's holding a nerf gun. It's got like gears of war logic. I love it. <laughs> yeah, it yeah, does. I, everything is slightly bigger and it also mm. goes with the the costume design, which we will talk about as well, because Versace. It is who, Versace. Yeah. Picked by Stallone himself. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because I don't imagine Stallone as being a fashionable man, but that's maybe because I picture him wearing like <laughs> wearing the jumpsuit he wears in Creed 2 everywhere. Yeah, for sure, which is certainly his look now. Yeah. <laughs> they, they didn't have a costume for him in Creed 2. No. <laughs> he just rocked up in that and 100%. walked on set and was like... Rah, 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 rah. I think that's how he rocks up to everything now. Yeah, which, yeah, good for him. Even in, in was... I know he wears a suit in Guardians of the Galaxy 2, but in my head he's wearing the pork pie hat and the quads <laughs> being like, you'll never hear the horns of... Them. Oh, I want to shoot my restaurant. <laughs> um, there was definitely a costume designer on this who did the bulk of the costuming. Versace gave a Versace, sorry, Versace. If anyone gets that reference, no, nope. all right, don't worry. I no one's it. seen Showgirls. <laughs> I haven't. I, what? I actually, Although I, a great, I also haven't seen Showgirls. A great connection is a Paul Verhoeven movie, and this movie feels very bad. Paul Verhoeven. Yeah. What? What if Paul Verhoeven sucked? <laughs> I mean, that's Showgirls, right? Yeah. I heard the Showgirls rules. <laughs> oh, it rules! It yeah, rules yeah, in yeah, so cool. many ways. But you'll see. Anyway, um, you'll see because we'll probably find a way to well, do it. Well, yeah, I would love to. Um, yeah, it was like the Versace kind of gave ideas to make the dread uniform, but there was yeah. like a costume designer who did everything else, and she was interviewed in behind the. Watch behind the scenes on YouTube. It's a good time. It took like five or six like go arounds to get that costume, didn't yeah. it? It was like a long process to land on the final design. Oh, that's cool. Honestly, it looks so like uh, the Jed Judge Dread designs in for the judges. They are wearing leotards, which I appreciate so much. I, I love think it. The leotards mm. look real flattering because they've uh, got the bulk well, and they look really flattering. They're also like, on Sylvester Stallone. Yeah. Beautiful. It looks great. I, I think. Can move I around. Mean, it is, I mean, we will get into kind of 
the politics a little bit of this film, but it is very funny that the judges, the way they are dressed is very specifically with the SS Eagle mm. like on them. Mm. And then you're like, oh, they look really good. <laughs> it's got like the SS Eagle. It's got a bit of a Mussolini vibe going on Absolutely. as well. Absolutely. And then the movie is like, yeah, they sound, they're pretty good, actually. Pretty cool. <laughs> um, Diane Lane uh, at one point has a really cool, like, leotard cross leather jacket thing that looks like she's Incredible. wearing, like, a, at the end. And I was like, what is this leather, like, fake leather leotard, like, hybrid and why aren't That's, I wearing it right yeah, now? Yeah, it's, it's my new dream, dream goal <laughs> is to wear that. Great. Diane Lane and the special features of this is so funny because <sighs> she does not sound like she um took the movie seriously in the slightest. Oh, really? Yeah, there's a li- there's a line where they're interviewing her and it's she's clearly like on her way to get coffee and they're like, oh, what's something about uh, Judge Shred that you're really excited about? And she just goes, did you know he's a virgin? There's lots of things I know. And then goes away. <laughs> <laughs> Diane Lane. Just an absolute legend. And just like an all-star for me. I think just she's like good too. Fucking Mount Rushmore. Fucking she really gave her, it a good so. go. And she's so good in she's this good movie. She's good in this movie. She has nothing. Nothing. Nothing whatsoever to do. And mm. you walk out of the movie being like, five out of five. Good work, Diane. <laughs> Absolutely. She comes across as one of the better performances of the film. And that's saying something from where she got with the script, which is her character does nothing. Yeah. And so uh, yeah. back to production designer role. It's one of those things that, like, we can probably name, I think, as an everyday movie watcher. You can probably name cinematographers and directors and that kind of thing. But sure. it's kind of rare to be able to just name a bunch of famous production designers depending on Definitely. who you are. Mm-hmm. So Nigel Phelps. Yeah. And it's just such a massive role and it's just so integral to production. And what I find interesting is that, like, particularly back in 1995 or earlier than that, production designers were mostly an on-set, like, as in during production. Like production design, hmm. so not really in post. But now it would be very different, I think, in this one too, because I think that use of CG and that kind of thing, surely they have to be involved in post a little bit, right? Or is there a separate director well, it for would be, that? Well, so often there is a fully separate kind of CGI production designer. I think that was the case here because they're, all of their um, CGI stuff was done in California and they shot entirely in Shepparton. Uh, in the UK. I was like, wow, <laughs> big day for Shepparton, Victoria. <laughs> Shepparton, Victoria. <laughs> they were like, we got Judge Dredd down here. And he's, he looks great, doesn't he? Um, <laughs> no, so now the production designer, so when we get to Detective Pikachu and all that, or like yeah, get into that kind of later stuff of Nigel Phelps's career, would be very heavily involved in previs. Mm-hmm. So all of the stuff that you do before where the director comes in is like, wow, the studio's directed half the movie already. Isn't that fun? That is all done with the production designer, I think, today and all of like the concept art and pre- you know, pre-visual art and all of that stuff, I believe, is done beforehand. It's also quite funny that Nigel Phelps like took this big plunge, moved to America, started working there, and his first big gig was like, we need you back in England. Yeah, yeah. Come on, mate. Hop, hop over the pond. <laughs> Into the trolley. <laughs> Wait, oh. I, I can't decide whether you're in Shepparton, Victoria, whether you're in America. Now I'm in Shepparton, <laughs> Victoria. We're here with Judge Dredd. Well, Judge Dredd is a British comic strip and it is with a British director and it is filmed in England. It really feels like maybe he could have just stayed home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He didn't necessarily need to. But I think that was part of why. I think there's like some sort of timeline where actually he was back in England for six months or whatever and then he got. Yeah. There was some sort of thing there. But. Yeah, he was. He was nice to visit home sometimes, it's, you know. Hey, it's yeah. lovely to. Visit I can't wait to visit Shepparton. Yeah, we're home. all going back to Shepparton. So I did a little bit of research on like how the you know the sort of script to screen kind of thing mm. of this movie, but I didn't mm. find a ton. It seemed to be a pretty 
weirdly a pretty smooth writing process before the script actually hit the screen. Yeah, before they hit the sound stage. Yeah, yeah. It, it was written by um, William Wishner Jr. and Michael D'Souza. Yeah. And it also had some rewrites apparently, thanks to the producer, by Walden, uh, Waylon Green, Renee Olka and Michael S. Uh, Chermanshin. Mm-hmm. I, th- I reckon you nailed those names. I think I, I think actually knocked was, it out of the park. Yeah, I called them all and asked. William Wishner was best known for Terminator 1 and 2, and Michael D'Souza was known as the writer of Die Hard and Commando. So, like, yes. big action guys. But what I found really interesting was Michael D'Souza is, uh, talks about this film, and he sort of uh, thought he was writing a PG-13 movie. Well, he was, he was supposed to. Sorry, I have exactly the same yeah, point. Yeah. He was supposed to write this PG-13 movie. He did write a PG-13 movie. he delivered a PG-13 movie, and Danny Cannon looked at it and was like, we are going to make this so fucked up. Because <laughs> Danny Cannon's a huge fan of both RoboCop, like he wanted to do RoboCop yeah. and of course the original Dread comics. Yeah. Like he in like his teens won a competition to design a Judge Dread theatrical movie poster. Sick. And so this was his dream job and he gets this PG-13 script, which he was like, oh, it's a great script, but I'm just going to put in a bunch of blood and violence. Yeah. And every time like um, D'Souza came back and saw any of the cuts, he was like, you can't do this, Danny, this is going to fucking ruin us. Yeah, because D'Souza like, was like, professional Hollywood guy. He's yeah. been doing it for years. He, knows he wrote exactly fucking what Die he, Hard. He wrote Die Hard. He knows what the fuck he's doing. And so he sees what Danny Cannon is doing and then is like, hey, I know you're having so much fun out there, but they are going to cut this to ribbons. Not just dude. cut. <laughs> like, he was like, you're not going to get it through because yeah. this movie took three goes with yeah. the we, ratings board to get it down from X. Yeah. He, they were trying to get it to a PG-13 rating. That's what he thought he directed. Went in once, got returned with an X rating. Went in a second time, got returned with an X rating. Went in a third time, got returned with an X rating. And at the time, you could only apply three times. I think it's four. I think No, it was, it was three. Oh, it was and then three. someone like, one of the producers like went on hands and knees to the right. ratings board to get <laughs> it done again. And finally, finally with the last cut, got it down to an R rating. After they had already made toy deals with Kenner and a deal with Burger King, yes, which was immediately detonated because they couldn't advertise it. Yeah. They couldn't advertise it on television. They couldn't advertise it before anything with less than like an M rating. Yeah, And it completely, like before this movie even hit cinemas, it was going to be a bomb. And that, I mean, it's the thing that I alluded to in my intro of like, this is a, I, like obviously studio executives have been involved in uh, messing with movies since the very, very beginning of time. There is a real thing here of like Disney executives coming down and being like, we have brand deals that if you fuck up, we are going to destroy your life and career forever. I know that's like, the I know that's generally true and generally the vibe, but I'm not saying they were wrong to I, do that. I I'm think, just saying that's what happened. I think this one was the opposite Ray round. It's such like a weird like they just got the wrong director. Yes. Like this should have been Batman Forever. This is my big thesis statement about this movie, is that This movie is the opposite of Batman in that Batman was this wonderful kind of happenstance where every producer, writer, director, production designer, everyone was aligned and everyone had this kind of holistic kind of experience. And we're like, oh, we're all working towards, which is like that magic, you know, a a kind of magical thing that happens in art sometimes where you're like, oh, we're actually all working towards the same goal and we're all kind of trying to make the same thing. And this is the complete opposite of that. It's like, you've got a bunch of talented things and you've shaken them up and they haven't meshed or melded. It it is truly, I think you're right that it is the producer's fault, but it's like, it's not 
execs oh, coming think, in. I don't think that's what I'm, I'm not saying it's the producer's fault. Well, no, I, fault. I, I, Vickery said, I, I think it is kind the of, producer's I, fault. I think this is a misfire of production. Like this is a producer not having a good enough like initial idea of what this film is, bringing on the wrong director, bringing on the wrong star, bringing on the wrong screenwriter, and just like not being able to before the film even reached a director. Like Batman took a long time in sort of um, development hell trying to figure out what the tone was. And it, this just didn't, this is why the, the breakdown of the Batman script for me was like a page of notes. And this is like, I found two rewrites and no history about pre-production. Mm. I think it's the wrong IP to have, to, to have taken to be a PG-13. So Dread, like obviously <sighs> you had a fan. So I, yeah. I don't think, I think it's literally just like this movie was the wrong thing to try and make into that Batman sort of idea. So if, yes, yeah. I think that it's not necessarily that he was the wrong director for it. I think maybe we saw his original one, it would have been good towards the source material, but just it wasn't going to be a commercial, really viable Hollywood film like they thought it was going to be. Are there Because any- Dread, the cult classic that has been re- recent cult it is a cult classic now uh that has been was done in 20- like 2012 yeah 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 fuck that fucking rock. Um, awesome produced by Adi Shankar who i have had the pleasure of interviewing and somebody who is a huge fan of the source material huge fan of uh, a lot of <laughs> things that got across another massive um, bomb was dreaded bomb it was oh, yeah, it was a bomb but it's a but huge but it kind of everyone it's was a like, cult classic oh, yeah. no it is, it is a good movie that's yeah. that bomb so that's maybe dread isn't ever meant to be a box office success so story here's my thing there was a version of this of this like uh, when these guys had it when hollywood pictures had it that was tony scott and Arnie Schwarzenegger. The writer of it had this whole kind of interview with him where he was talking about old Judge Dredd law. And do you know about the the dark judges? Yeah, a little. <laughs> anyway, so there's like these dark judges. It's like Judge like, Fire and stuff. Yeah, Judge De- well, it's Judge Death, Judge Malice, Judge Pain, Judge something. Anyway, and he was like, yeah, we had this fucking horror script and Tony Scott was like ready to go. Arnie was ready to go. And it was this hectic Judge Dredd, R-rated. Everyone was like happy for it. And then the producers came down and were like, this needs to be PG-13 or this needs to be this, 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 this. Then the writer left, then Arnie left, then Tony Scott left. Because also other directors that got turned down, like there's a few directors that were considered at various different points, but the famous one that I found several times that turned down the script were the Coen brothers. Like, That's I, awesome. I, I've, I've, I found it on several like facts. I never found where it sourced from. Yeah, right, right. So, you know, maybe someone threw a script through a window at some point. Yeah. But I, but what I read was that the Coen brothers were going to direct this and turned it, were offered to direct this and turned it down to make fucking Fargo. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they made the right choice yeah, there, but we'll see. I would love that alternate reality. I would love that. They can still they could still make a Judge Dredd movie. Would would that be? What if that's the thing that reunites them? Joel and Ethan get back together. <laughs> they were like, hey, I know you made Macbeth and I know that I'm making my silly B movies now. How about we come together and make Judge Dredd with the death script? That'd be so cool. That would be sick. They're turning Mega City One into like like the anti Mega City One, and like there's a bunch of corpses roaming well, around. Honestly, that... bring Nigel Phelps back into bring that Nigel one as well. Back. He's still working. He's still he works working all the time. And also, the production design on this is so good that it's like it's almost annoying for the production design that the movie does not. The film itself lets down on great production design because some of the early um, shots of this, you were like, that looks like June. I think the first twenty minutes of this movie 
are quite good. Yeah, I agree. I was actually, honestly, it starts. I think everyone's wrong about this movie. We felt the same way. Just and I were like, is this a great movie? And I was like, oh, it is not. I 100% agree. I think the thing about this movie being so beautiful and the rest of like every other aspect other than the production design being so bad is like, it's like someone hung the Mona Lisa in the Duke's bathroom. (laughs) Okay, a very specific (laughs) reference. Uh, The Duke is a dive bar near our house. Right. Sorry. We all live together together in a big bed. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know why I was thinking you meant just like a random like English a random duke. Ah, the like, duke. I was like, not in the duke's Who bedroom. Who put the Mona Lisa in this duke rather yeah. than the king? You're like, how dare you put <laughs> it in the duke's bedroom? One hundred percent. Should uh, at least be in the duke's drawing room. Low quality dukes, but yeah, an sh- earl, if you will. Oh, <laughs> a yarl? An earl, I could forgive. <laughs> Sorry, a count. <laughs> uh, you were trying so hard not to join in, and you just wanted to join in. You were trying to be grumpy, but you weren't. Do we want to get into the movie? Accounts bigger than Dukes. Size-wise? <laughs> Hold on, let me look it up. So this director <laughs> yeah. um, went on to Danny do a lot Cannon. of did a lot went on to do a lot of television. Am I right? Yes, and directed one of the greatest movies of all time. Goal. <laughs> what is Goal? It's a bad movie. Okay, it's a great. bad British movie about a guy that scores a goal. <laughs> but I feel like I and I will look so quickly. But I think it was like it's not CSI, but it's one of those. Oh, I did. Um, yeah, I didn't really. Look, uh, if I'm honest, I didn't oh, really Danny look him up. K- apart from the fact that he directed Goal, just because that really that really. I think he directed think some NYPD Blue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's his thing. And also, um, I still know what you did last CSI, summer. CSI, you've got that. Oh, I still know what you did last summer. Honestly, underrated movie that one. Kind Kind of, I mean, this is the thing about Danny Cannon. Like, you know, probably not the greatest director in the world. He's still working. Oh, still yeah. making it happen. He directed Geostorm. Oh, sick. Oh, my God. I've never seen Geostorm. Yeah, oh, that's amazing. Geostorm? It seems like so up your alley. I know. <laughs> it the, seems shit, is the, what you're saying. The one thing I, yeah, the one <laughs> thing I know about Geostorm that everyone says is bad about Geostorm is that the Geostorm never happens. What? Apparently, they prevent it. Have you seen Moonfall? I like you, that. I, finally, someone who's good at their job in a film. You know, it, like, it doesn't oh, happen. Like they prevent it from happening. Yeah, yeah. they prevent no, the it geostorm. Should, it should be, no, 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 no. The way that every, <laughs> the way that every movie should work is no. that they're working really hard. They <laughs> almost get there, but at the end, the geostorm happens. So then that they have to figure out a way to stop the geostorm while it's happening. Yeah, of course. And I like this version. <laughs> this version is just like, we well, figured it out. No they're like, guys, let's hire some really professional people. And they're like, don't worry, we got you. Wait, End I'm, credits. That I'm, is kind of the exact plot of First Man. You know, the, the yeah, movie yeah, yeah. <laughs> where it's like, fuck, we've got this really big problem. How are we going to get a man on the moon? And then they hire really talented people and they get a man on the moon and it fucking rules. Hey, honestly, I'm, I'm here for this narrative structure. Yeah, it's absolutely. Called, um, it's called Everyone's it's Good. It's called Happy Endings. <laughs> I just, happy Endings, with no Happy drama. Middles. It looks like he might have been second unit director on Geostorm. Oh, okay. Hey, yeah, I why think, not? I'd I think his career definitely, I think he... Yeah, he's, he's a television. Went, well, from, Dean, went from heights to no, heights. No, no, he's after. Just like very much comfortable in television territory. Yeah. I think he he probably works a shitload and is great with television. And uh, I mean, you know, I still need did last summer. Visually, I don't think this movie is bad. It's Badly directed. No, it's kind of like you know, it's it's yeoman's work. Yeah, it's like done well. It looks good, but uh, like I so and then this is the thing. Like this movie was cut to ribbons, obviously, yeah. because they had to cut all of the violence. And I wonder if like if you could see Danny Cannon's like violent kind of you know enraged youthful energy it would still would have, have it would still have that script though that's the thing the script is still there and of course stallone this is the other big like conflict which is interesting that stallone talks so much shit about danny but danny's also like he completely changed the movie he changed oh, put yeah. in all the comedy he like completely 
ran over all the comedy completely like ran I mean, over the funniest movie of all time yeah it is it is did is this win best single, comedy at the golden globe <laughs> best musical comedy i think sylvester stallone lost to himself for the razzie i think that he was nominated for the razzie but won for another category that's for best awesome. actor. i'm pretty certain that's, that's really so, um, good you had one job and it was to look up whether dukes or counts are bigger size wise did you find any of that information uh, out of you too big looking up pornography i looked up the average size of counts and it says <laughs> the average guest list for small, medium, and large counts. No, weddings. <laughs> so it was how many people you expect your wedding. No, that's not what I want. Oh, well, I, I need to you know want, like, in I order found an article called normal, uh, like more normal. respected, higher up on the ladder. Yeah, is a duke higher up on the ladder than a count? Uh, the duke, duke oh, I already knew that, yeah. Yeah, duke's higher. I knew that, but I thought Wait, you what, meant about. Which one? Uh, duke is higher. Yeah. Dukes are higher. I thought you okay. meant the average size. Well, th I, that's the joke that you made, and then uh, I wanted to know that. And what's a, what's normal a, sperm count is the next article on here. Uh -huh. Have we talked about this? Because I'm about to say. Normal sperm count? No, I think we've talked about counts and stuff, because I'm about to say this count. And it's ringing a, a bell. Viscount, yeah. I, have yeah, yeah, I have looked up Viscount no, before. No one knows. That's so embarrassing. That's not guys. embarrassing at all. Oh God! So, I apologize. Sorry. No, no. What was normal sperm count? It says eight. What? It <laughs> just says eight. It just says eight. Okay. Just eight. <laughs> I had this conversation with someone the other day who who didn't really understand how uh, sperm works, and I was like explaining that sperm is distributed a, amongst. Was it a child? It was a child <laughs> distributed among semen, and I had this realization that the reason that is important is because every time you come, your balls would become small otherwise. Because <laughs> if that wasn't information that I knew, because it wasn't information I knew logically, but as I was saying it, I worked out. It's like, oh, of course, because otherwise my Wait. balls would be way smaller every time I come. C sorry. Can you actually explain this to me? <laughs> so, <laughs> semen is produced by a separate gland in the stro in the scrotum. Semen is technically the fluid that sperm swims in. Yeah. Sperm is produced by the testicles, and then that is like combined because yeah. otherwise your balls would be way smaller every time you come. Oh yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I, know. I never really thought about. I it mean, like it's that. just a real shame that Judge Dredd is a clone because uh, none of this is relevant to <laughs> his storyline of being born. Didn't, didn't he need to take Max von Sydow's <laughs> semen? Yeah, <laughs> DNA sample is taken, but it, we presume yes. They don't specify. But wasn't it a mix of all of them? So he was no, just like they, that no, was taken from Max von Sydow. No, I thought like, it was like a combination because they were like that's so funny. <laughs> everyone came into a bucket. It's every all the judges <laughs> jerking off into a bucket, that's fully what and then I they thought. pour it into the DNA machine. That's that is not what fully <laughs> what you thought. Frankly, that would make more sense. I thought it was a combination of all of the judges. Well, what they say is that it's all. It is. They were like, we needed the perfect judge, and then Max von Sydow was selected as the best of all of them. Okay. Oh, sorry, and there's two different things because there's the one that Armando Asante is doing later, but the one that made Judge Dredd and Rico was, was just Max von Sydow. But the one that the one that is later is the they've like. Yeah, uh, they, geo, that's what I they mean. Walk, he, that's they what all jerked off around the bucket. Yeah, they all jerked off into a bucket. biscuit like, of Judge Dredd. Did you say sea biscuit? Soggy biscuit. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> the sea biscuit of judges, Max von Sydow. Okay, so <laughs> let's get into this movie. I also just want to quickly talk about Sylvester Sloan and um, because obviously a large chunk large of man. this movie really rests on the shoulders of who is playing the titular character yeah. of Judge Dredd and – I when he started, I wasn't hating on it. When he started, I was actually like, "Is this great? Like, is it kind of funny?" And then when he had to be emotional in that one scene, it just went. It just didn't work. Yeah, I like, think he's terrible from the first line. Yeah, he but says. it was. It's so weirdly satisfying to watch. Seamus, I knew you were going to say that. I think. I think he's. <laughs> I he's meant to be kind of like 
obviously a clone, right? And kind of like a little bit detached. <laughs> You're kind of like. You think this is deep method work? <laughs> yeah, you think yeah. This is, he's like, he's running up the Philadelphia steps, the Rocky steps, just to try and get into, yeah. into character as a clone. Look, I think. I think he's fine in this. Like, I'm not, I, I'm unfortunately, I, I was always going to defend. I'm going to defend Rob Schneider in this movie. Oh, I am oh, here okay, to defend no, Schneider. Don't. Yes, I'm going to come for Schneider. Cool. I think he, okay, shall we get into the movie? Yeah, I, sure. actually, no, I just want to talk I, about. I just, I just didn't write much of the plot down because it's fucking shit. Before we Sick. talk about the film, though, I want to talk about my lack of understanding about Sylvester Stallone's career until I researched him yesterday. Mm-hmm. And I genuinely, it's a, it's a pretty interesting Oh Sorry. yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, like best screenwriter, like the first thing that he did. First thing he wrote Rocky. Yeah. One best actor or nominated for best actor, nominated for best screenplay, like nominated for best movie, all this stuff, and also like just really went through it. Like really was trying his hand at acting for a long time. Yeah. I was getting absolutely. And nowhere. everyone was like, "You look really." Crazy. You look like, weird, dude. I yeah. think I, th- this is what I will say. I think he's very handsome in I this movie. I think he's too. very hot in this movie. I don't, great. Think, I don't think the um, awful blue contacts work Crazy. particularly well on him. We had to stop <laughs> and pause it and I was like, there's something off here. And we had to look up what colour Sylvester Stallone's eyes were. And I was like, oh. What do you mean? <laughs> you can see what colour they are because the contacts are too small for his eyes, which is a problem I've never seen before. Yeah. It is great. Yeah, it's like, it's not that they're small. It's that the actual uh, the sclera. The sclera doesn't fit around his iris properly. It's no, that's like, what I mean. Yeah, yeah. It's like, but it's, it's like the inside you yeah, can tell. Yeah, because you've got the pupil, <laughs> then you've got a little bit of his natural eye color. <laughs> yeah. Then you have this, um, yeah. it's not sclera, it's iris. Then yeah, you have the iris, blue yeah. iris over yeah. the top of it. It's, it's notoriously looking. quite hard to get brown eyes to blue through yes. um, contacts. Though, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you, know? yeah, you can tell. Yeah, you can really tell. And like, it's so, you know, let's not be too hard on the makeup team who try their hardest. They don't, but there was there's but no need to do just it. just no need to do it. I thought it was super important. It's also like Judge Dredd, famously, never takes off his fucking helmet. Yeah, no, there's no need. Joseph such... Dredd, like we don't, I'm I'm sure there are times when he has taken, and maybe he Once has in the comic eyes. books. Literally once in the comic and books. does he have blue eyes? Did you have a No, the, it's a, it's a, the joke of it is, uh, his face is so disfigured that they <laughs> actually- <laughs> we don't know because they censor it. Uh, the good. one time he's ever taken off the co- the one time they he's ever it's like taken Master off- Chief. Yeah, yeah. They I'm take talking it- about Xbox classics today. <laughs> the, just Halo. And uh, Reservoir. Uh, my mistake. He takes off the helmet and then they put a sensor bar over his face that's and it was good. advertised as like Judge Dredd reveals his face. It's one uh, of those classic like. Uh, like fuck in the audience jokes. When Antonio Banderas uses the little uh, black bar over his. Not like, Antonio, like but yes. Kakashi oh, Naruto. Sorry. Like Kakashi and Naruto. Why is that he like Kakashi? He just doesn't reveal his face ever. And then when he they tries to, he takes off as another master. You're like, all right, Kakashi. No, no they That's do cool. reveal it in a filler episode towards the end. It doesn't count. Don't come at me with your non <laughs> Are you serious right now? That That is fair. That is very fair. I'm sorry. So I don't know why I was so passionate about that just um, then. Because we love Kakashi. All right. Let's, so Best Vestas alone, all I say is that when I read his career, I was suitably impressed. Yeah, you're <laughs> impressed by Sylvester Stallone. I, I was like, oh shit, okay, cool. Like, you yeah, know, he's one of the biggest stars in the last 50 Yeah, years. and also just like, it's, it's, I don't know, it's nice to, uh, and, and I think it's in line with supporting cast. He ended up being obviously a huge fucking star. Mm. But I think that someone Started who a huge keeps on going for so long with so many like cut scenes, like he was in MASH uncredited as a background extra, like did a pornography film when he was evicted from his apartment. They re-released it years later when he was famous and dubbed it the Italian Stallion, which is his nickname in Hollywood. Like he just kind of it's was quite rude, doing- in my opinion. I think they shouldn't have done that. They did that the same thing rude. with Cameron Diaz years after- Shouldn't have done that either. Anyway, it's fucking awful. The People f- are fucking terrible. The famous story about Sylvester Stallone and like his difficult rise to uh, stardom is that he sold- He was a famous boxer. He <laughs> sold his dog. 
Yeah, that's right. Yeah, he sold his dog um, to make like his last uh, rent payment before he got Rocky. And then as soon as he got his first payment, uh, paycheck, he spent that hiring a uh, private detective to find his dog again and then buy it back. And then the other- Did he uh, get the dog back? Yeah. Yeah. Why isn't this a movie? I know. And then the other famous thing is that he actually- It has to be in pre-production somewhere. Someone has to have that rights to that. And they're like, this is actually going to be a 10-part series. They saw how popular John John Wick was. And they were like, people love a dog revenge story. I think it's that thing, the moment that he like passes away, there'll be a- making of Rocky, like the road to Rocky, uh, at very least TV movie. But the other big story is that he initially, he was shopping around the Rocky script forever. Then it actually almost got bored, but he got offered, I think it was $50,000, but he won't be in it uh, by Paramount. And he was broke at the point. And then he said, no, I'm the star. Took it to another company and then got it for $15,000. So way less on the condition that he could star, which was obviously the best choice. Like Rocky doesn't work without him. Mm. No, and he's great in Rocky and uh, he's as good in Judge Dredd. You haven't seen Rocky? Hey, surprise. Pretty good movie. I don't watch movies. Cue a montage of us watching (laughs) Rocky. (laughs) (laughs) Just sitting there watching it. (laughs) (laughs) The least impressive (laughs) training montage. Eating some pizza. I want to start a very brief mini segment before we get in. I know. Whoa, this is crazy. Yeah, a mini segment, which is movie snacks. I want to talk about what you eat when you watch movies. Oh. Oh, I'm so boring. Yeah, it's all right. I have an an exciting answer, which is why I'm doing this. I uh, generally have a cup of tea. And a biscuit and a bicky sometimes. Because oh, you, you, you watch movies more than any human being I know. So you, yeah. that's a good, like, all times of day. I could, I could have a cup of tea at any time. You, yeah. you could have a cup I mean, of tea. If, if it's at night time, sometimes I have a beer. Yeah. Mm. See, I eat popcorn with movies and I love it. I um, And I have the microwave popcorn. And no one's ever done that. It's such a weird thing to do to eat popcorn yeah, and watch pretty, a movie. No, it's actually pretty crazy. Um, bizarre. I want anyway. to talk about this because I did the same thing. I was like, I found some microwave popcorn in the back of my cupboard. I was like, <laughs> one. Good news, guys. It expired in 1998. Well, that's what I was about to say. I looked it up. doesn't matter if it expires. Fully doesn't matter. It could be slightly drier because this was expired. Two, I was like- <laughs> when, when did it expire? Just July. For... Just July. Oh, that's Just July. fine. Yeah, oh, fine. that's fine. I know, no, I know. But the thing I wanted to say is like I wanted to kick it into like upper grade because I knew it was going to be uh, expired. Put and some baked the internet... beans in there. <laughs> well, put some baked beans. No, the internet warned me that it might be um, dry. So I got a whole bunch <laughs> Just of- Just poured a bunch of water in there. Poured a bunch of water in it. No, I got a little bowl of butter- <laughs> and a spoonful of garlic mints and then a half teaspoon of paprika and cayenne pepper Damn. and then microwave that Damn. and put it over it. Holy crap, guys. Why haven't we made popcorn spicy yet? Uh, people have made we, Holy crap, so guys. Spicy Dude, all the time. Yeah, we um we often have different topping and we kind of go and there's like, um yeah, but that, that sounds delicious. Well, honestly. I was the thing. I was like, I've never tried to make it any fancier than just straight out of the microwave. And it was just Wait, so I'm gonna, good. Are you salting your popcorn? I'm salting it, but like- yeah. I I got the extra butter and like, cause I put the, the spoon of the garlic mints in it. The whole butter was garlicky. I got to recommend it. Guys. That sounds I'm, damn good. I'm really, really going to out myself as a weeb, but we often put, um, what, <laughs> like you're a weeb flakes on it. Like uh, for a kake, yeah, which yeah. is like the salty seaweed flakes and, and it tastes fucking delicious on that popcorn. Good so too. that I is really, really that. good. I reckon you could combine the garlic butter and, and, the, and the seaweed. That sounds good. That'd be fantastic. Great. And next on our cooking segment, just like, all right, let's How get into this. How I make this big bowl of, of shit. First things first, boil the water. Yeah, I, if I watch movies as much as you, I wouldn't say popcorn because I often I'd be, I'd be watch movies at night. Ten buckets of popcorn <laughs> yeah, you would, a week. you would be in a bit of trouble. I think. So I'd I'd be a lot of I have diabetes. Shall we 
become judge, jury, and executioner of this movie. Does that work? Potentially. Works as well as the movie does. (laughs) Yeah, we're only comparing ourselves to the movie this week, which I think is good. We start with the Hollywood Pictures logo. Do you guys like that little sphinx? I love that. Oh, actually, we haven't even talked about it. The only way to get this movie in Australia is to spend $45 on a website no one's ever been to. No, it's like on Amazon Prime. But you have to buy it. You have to buy it. TV... It is on Apple TV. Yeah, you have I, to I buy think it. I spent thirteen dollars. Yeah, we spent thirteen. Um, That's I an spend... enormous amount of money for Judge Dredd. And I like owning movies. I don't mind buying a movie on iTunes, but only if it's like if it's like seven bucks or whatever. I'm mm. like, ah, what's the difference between four bucks and seven bucks? I'll buy that movie. I spent so, three hours trying to find it and accidentally spent twenty dollars. Yeah, that that was on <laughs> Didn't Amazon. You end up pirating it anyway. Yeah. Sorry, you provide. I oh, spent I spent an hour and a half trying to pirate it. I couldn't get it to download on uh, this weird little uh, dodgy stick my housemate owns. I couldn't get it to download on my computer because my computer is running so poorly. I couldn't get it to download on my other computer because that one also doesn't work. And then at the end of it, I was going through my email to try and find my NordVPN password. <laughs> and going I saw through your email, just searching Judge Dredd. Well, I, 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 <laughs> I was going through my email to try and find my NordVPN password so I could pirate it. And then I saw a receipt from Amazon from two hours ago that said your purchase has been approved for $24. Fuck, that is. so angry. But boy, how does that beautiful 4K restoration of Judge Dredd look? (laughs) Shit. It looks like shit because no one's done a 4K restoration. Uh, They should. I actually think that they should. I know this movie is like not great. But I think it's worth it just, like, I think it's visually quite Oh, I think visually it's super interesting. And I think it would be worth, like, having an up-res nice version And quite, it. I think, quite influential in a lot of films and, like, uh, in terms of how it looks. Uh, yeah, sure. No, in visually, terms of the way it works. Visually, the, for yeah, sure. Yeah. And I also, I think that, and we'll say this is probably thanks to Nigel Phillips and his team, but I did not for a second doubt that I was in not, like, it didn't look to me like the world was fake. It felt quite authentic in a strange way. The yeah. actual world of Judge Dredd, which I think is hard to do. And I think that comic book movies notoriously are difficult to do that with. And I think that they somehow nailed the hardest thing about doing a comic book movie and then everything else fell short, yeah, <laughs> which is where is I bought right. where we were. I went, oh, no, this world. Yeah, I get it. They yeah. all they all seem to fit in here. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? It was a cohesion. Ever, have you guys ever been part of like a street riot? <laughs> You guys ever kind of joined in on, you know, people being like, so the whole premise, right, of Dread, we will, we're about to get dive into the movie, I apologize, but the whole premise of Ju- Judge Dread is that there's like 98% unemployment. Seamus, why are you thinking so hard? No. <laughs> okay, good. And so everyone's so bored that occasionally they'll just be like, let's just have a street fight. That seems crazy to me. Is they rioting? Like for better, like for jobs and but stuff? No, no, no. They're fighting each other. They never- they, It's they called never, a street war. It's street not a war. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's it's that, a no, street war. It was a yeah. street war. They said that they were like, oh, that they're like, we're fighting the other block. Yeah. Look, I mean, you gotta, you gotta you have gotta turf. pass the time sometime, somehow, I this guess. This movie has a lot of things to say about poor people. Yeah. I would say that it is not particularly progressive as a no. movie. <laughs> no. Eating recycled food. Um, sort of good for you. Only good Eating? line of the movie. Uh, wait, what is the? Line? It's uh, good Great for the, the environment, environment, bad. F- uh, fine for you. Fine for you. <laughs> okay for you. Yeah, it's like like that. Yeah, yeah oh, that's good. pretty good. Yeah. Eat recycled food. Great for the environment. Okay for you. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I like that. I like that robot. No one answered me about the Hollywood Pictures logo. What do okay. we think? Yeah, you like great. that Sphinx? I was uh, yeah. eating my popcorn. But you were yeah. eating your popcorn being I like, I'm remember. so mad that I spent $25 on this. Angrily eating popcorn. He's a little Sphinx guy. And I've never known why the Hollywood logo is a little Sphinx guy. I'm sure I could look it up, but I'm not going to. I don't, rem- I don't really remember it. I think great font leading up. But then I didn't like the main font of Judge Dredd. Oh, yeah. That was my next question. How do we think? I think it's a. I th- I actually do. I like how it's wobbly. 
I liked like all that wobbly yellow. I liked all the credit fonts. Like mm. I think that you know the um, director and Nigel Phelps, all of that is really pretty. And then the Judge Dread is just like a little cheap looking. Well, in it looks design. like a comic book. Like it's it's like the cover of the comic book. Yeah, but I think it I needed like, like a little it. bit more edge or maybe some more shading. Like I think it needed something mm. to pop. It looks too like flat acrylic paint for mm. me at the moment. I'm giving it a seven out of ten. Charles? Yeah, it's around there. Uh, six. James Earl Jones does the opening crawl narration. His, uh, he somehow, I don't, they must have paid him a sizable sum of money and he did one day of work and he nailed it. And yeah, he deserves it. Really, really, really good. Made me think Jones. this movie was going to be good. Do you like the scroller? Do you, I, I mean, I mean, it's just so hard to watch it and not think Star Wars though, you know, like it's just. Oh, that like opening crawl The scroll, thing. the crawl, yeah. yeah I would yeah, say yeah. the entire first 15 minutes of this makes you, uh, 10 minutes makes you think Star Wars. Everything yeah, until so. you see the city. Yeah, it's the dust and the like the sand and everything. Guy looking out mournfully yeah. over. Yeah. Uh, empty desert, big sun, stormtrooper outfits. Yeah, that opening, opening shot great. is really, really good. It's it was just like June Judge Dredd standing at the edge of Mega City One, looking out at the wasteland. Not Judge it's Dredd, not Judge but Dredd. yeah, oh, it's just know? a random guy. No, is it someone that's been sent on the long walk? No, no, it's no, a, no, no, because he's standing like on. No, the, no, you no, see, it's, it's you supposed see to be Judge him. It's one of the, it's one of the um, it's one of the stormtroopers, one of the random dudes, just a random guy. No. It's got to be Judge. No. It's got to be Joseph. Judge is in the city. He wouldn't be out to the city. It's got to be Joseph. No, then he gets on I his bike. I also find it very funny that yeah. his name is Joseph. 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 He's playing up a block war. Yeah. Mm. Uh, my note. My main note was block war and then yeah. caps lock. Capital laughing. So, you know, I also <laughs> took that into block account. Block war. It's, it's, it's about time we did a block war. No, it isn't. We get the opening kind of like credits. Uh, the combination, the incredibly specifically 1995 combination of Sylvester Stallone, Diane Lane and Rob Schneider mm. is very, very funny to me. It's and like, so different. Like they're all from different places together. Like I, I was like, how did we get here? Like, Of course, at this point, we also see Alan Silvestri do the music for this, I which I was really stoked to see. I think the see. score is pretty good as well. Score's pretty good. Like, it's not incredible, but it's like it's a really solid eight out of mm. ten, seven and a half out of ten Sylvestri score. You get him in there, he's looking at Judge Dredd running around. He's like, I got you. How about some violins? It was originally going to be someone else to do the score, and then Sylvestri had to take over because it got trapped in um development hell for a long time. The, we get this is the first I think the first shot of Mega City One is just this enormous matte painting, which is Gorgeous. It's like an incredible, like. This whole movie's map painting heaven for the yeah. first 50 minutes. Yeah. And, then, and a lot of it's um, miniatures as well. Yeah. Yeah. Because you see. And CG. Yeah, it's an cool. It is actually an incredible mix of like your off what where that first tour through Mega City One is actually such an incredible mix of CGI and minis. I was like, it's really cool. It made I, me so excited to watch this movie. Yeah, I went, yeah. is this secretly the best movie ever made? Yeah, yes. it was. I was yeah. so on board at this. So we first see, as all good movies do, we start with Rob Schneider. <laughs> we start with Bobby S. Uh, he is just coming home from prison and he's getting getting like driven through and being given a place to stay, basically. Yeah. He's given a, an allotment that he has to stay at. He's called a parolee, which yeah. I thought was really fun. A parolee? Yeah. Wait, is, no, that's what we call them, parolee. Yeah, like L-E-E -E at the end. That is just what we call them in real life. But they say parolee. Parolee. <laughs> like he's doing a roly-poly. <laughs> they explain, uh, so he immediately gets held up by some gangsters. Like he gets back to where Those he's supposed to live. Those are his housemates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He gets back to where he's <laughs> supposed to live and his housemates are like, okay, 
Quick thing, we're in a block war. Here's a gun. Rob Schneider immediately is like, I got a, what is his name in this movie? Uh, I, could, I couldn't tell you if he it's, held a lawgiver to my head. I'm punchy. Uh, so it he, was something like Scooby. That. Scooby, yeah. I think, I think his name is Scooby. Noodle. He immediately tries to save himself and he's looking for a way out. The gang starts shooting out of the windows. There's a blog his war. His name is Fergie. His name's Fergie? Herman Ferguson. And he's Herman Fergie. Fergie. He is a lot. He is very Fergalicious in this movie. So the judges then. Sorry. sorry. No, no, no. Go That's ahead. That's what uh, Fergie named herself after, actually. She saw it and she went, <laughs> this is my new stage name. Thank you. Hello, <laughs> other members of the Black Eyed Peas. I would like you all to watch this presentation that I have. First frame, Rob Schneider. What do we think? <laughs> so the judges arrive, Diane Lane and Baltazar Getty, who dies almost immediately. We love Baltazar Getty, shout out. And then one Judgeua Dread, Joshua Dread himself, who has a huge cod piece that we haven't mentioned. They all do, but you get a real lingering shot on Judge Dredd's uh, cod piece as he arrives, which I appreciate. So all the gang knows who Judge Dredd is, but the lead gangster kind of makes a big show of how he isn't scared. And then they're all kind of shooting at each other and Dredd breaks into the building the gangs are in and then Schneider tries to escape. And then Dredd kills a bunch of guys in the building building and then says, this room has been pacified. Yes, Seamus. I have several problems with this scene in particular. Okay. One, uh, no, no cop should be that famous. That's just not a thing that cops should be allowed to be. Agreed. agreed. You, don't, you shouldn't so, get famous for just doing policing. Batman is that famous? This you is think not. Batman should be famous. I mean, we can. We, we we're not going back over this conversation again about him mm, being a detective. Not to talk not, about the politics, <laughs> the essential error in the politics of Batman. We can talk about whether or not Batman is a cop for the entirety of the podcast. We almost did last week. I don't think we. The answer is yes. The problem with uh, the other problem I have with this is everyone's like, it's dread. He's wearing a helmet. He's meant to be hard to recognize. He does have a huge lapel that says dread. They are 300 meters away from him. Hey, man, the future's got great eyesight. They're eating terrible guns. (laughs) Terrible guns. So dread then uh, proceeds to walk out towards the cops who are currently taking cover, and he goes, they're using 20 millimeter uh, whiff lossler. Uh, Whistler pistols or something like that. Their deadly range is 200 meters. We are 300 meters away. Why are you hiding? I looked it up. That's all wrong. Uh, uh, (laughs) What? Sorry. What do you? What What did you look up? This gun that they made up. The effective lethal weight range of a nine millimeter bullet is about two hundred two thousand one hundred and three meters. You can die from two like over nearly two k away. The only problem is it will essentially lose curve. They are shooting downwards, so it's not going to be an issue in this case. It won't necessarily be as accurate, but it will one hundred percent go through your head. If you're using a nine millimeter modern pistol, these guns are from the future and they're firing twenty millimeter rounds. I mean, that's really big, but also is, isn't the whole point, aren't they like energy weapon shit? Aren't no, they like, he says nine millimeter bullets. Yeah, but it could be nine millimeter He says nine, mil, sorry, he says 20 millimeter bullets. They are, and every gun that we see is also a solid weapon, except for one that we see later. Isn't it, no, because the lawgiver is, it uh, shoots gun. energy. No, 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 it shoots bullets. No, 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 no. It doesn't, shoots. well, it doesn't only shoot shoots, bullets. It shoots because when all he goes bullets and then double a time, and then he shoots. <laughs> No, those are two energy beams. Rapid fire. I'm sh- no, they're not. It is. They're little. They're, they're glowing blue. They've CGI painted little blue. I think things the CGI. Them. I think the double time might be, but those ones yeah. are bullets, which he specifically says. Yeah, but bullets in the future could mean those bullets. You know, I mean, like but, they're not what we know bullets to be. Sure, but my main problem is in a military industrial, in like a, a police military industrial state. Why is the only thing that would go backwards in technology guns? Okay. 
Uh, one, this is a stupid logic problem. <laughs> Two. Uh, Why do you invite <laughs> me on the podcast? <laughs> Two. In a police military state, wouldn't most of the guns be controlled by the police? A hundred percent. And that's not the case. <laughs> We're in a street war, Lincoln, where they... everyone has guns. Sorry, but it's actually called a block war. I would really war. like it if is. we sorry, could. Sorry, but sorry. They, they've got really it. bad guns because they have to build them out of scrap parts and recycled food. You know, they're bad guns. I would I would love to say I double check that they are the same guns that we see the dread uh, no, no, no. troopers they using. They certainly later. aren't because they're the very specific lawgivers. No, no, that not the lawgivers, the dread oh, troopers. The big ones. No, no, no. They are very different. I think I I I Because they're like Uzis, basically. The ones they're using. They're yeah. one of the big ones. Oh uh, yeah, the the main guy has a big I'm one. just saying, the the logic of dread being like, why are you hiding your they're three hundred meters away is crazy. Sure. I mean, sure. But it's like, it's a very, that's, that's the sort of thing where it's like, Hey, the main character says it. You just have to believe but that's the central no, premise the, of the movie. Like, even, sorry, in my legitimate argument of this, it's a, it is not a good way of making him look smart. It seems like he's an idiot for saying that. Cause you just he's like, right. Yeah. You he, can't, you can't you, say, you, this you is can the classic, say he's, it's the classic Siskel the, Ebert thing of like, well, but they make good hamburgers at the end of the movie. So therefore they must be good at making hamburgers. But that's, <laughs> but the thing, but he, if you want to show someone being smart, the pure idea of it should be at least smart. The idea of like, oh, they have sh they can't shoot accurately from he 300 meters away. He is right, so therefore he's right. No, okay. But that I, is I, such I, a I, dumb, I, that is such a dumb like movie only, like that is a, an only director POV thing of like, oh, if the movie thinks it's right, then it's right. But you need to have enough like logic behind those things for an audience to buy in. Joy. I bought it, to be honest. I went, <sighs> Thank you, know you so much. I went, oh, wow, Judge Dredd Charlie said so. Devenport. And he is knows how to break up yeah. a block war you better than go, all. Yeah, absolutely. I don't get, Does oh, it, is he meant to be super smart? He's just good in combat, he's just right? Good, he's a good, unfortunately, he's a good cop. cop. He's well, a good, if, if, well, okay. like, I don't think he's meant to be like a, let's step into my mind palace. Like, but that's what he's doing. Like, he's like, I recognize those guns yeah. immediately. I know what the range is and you guys don't need to be hiding from them. Which and, is and what happens? Then they right. step out and then he's right. So therefore point is, he must be smart about it. He must yeah, know what he's talking he about. Knows what's up. Considering the lot, the fucking intelligence that you receive after that is that he's correct. How but but he shouldn't be. <laughs> well, don't, you didn't write the movie. But the, <laughs> okay, but the buy-in of him be being smart is so absurd. No, it's not. No, it's not because he was right. Because he was right. Okay. In this context of this world, he was right. That's so dumb. <laughs> so glad that we are in the first scene of the film. <laughs> I'm actually going to go back though because I hell suck yeah, at the punishment. that's okay. I really, really love. You know, I love this. I love any kind of like setup of a character, setup of a world that's like one long shot of someone doing something, and I just. It enjoyed Rob Snyder getting Fergie, sorry, going in like going past the rich building and being like, "Oh, I think that's it," that's and then really they good. were like. You wish, buddy, in your <laughs> dreams, buddy, and then it went goes down and keeps going down and keeps going down. And then at the point where they let them out, the actual like speak like the fucking robot machine, as in the plane, they're in the robot, yeah, the machine, robot machine. The plane the is like this area is known for high violence. Like kind of thing. It says that. <laughs> it would it be so funny off. if it like, yeah, it's pulled into Newtown Station or yeah, whatever. Yeah, it was yeah, like yeah. this area is known for high right. violence. Well, no, it's, Please it's, exercise caution. I think it says area. just so you know, there's a street war going yeah, on, does, and then he does. gets kicked yeah, out yeah, of the. Yeah, yeah, it's like that. It's so good. And it's uh, so do you have stupid. a problem with that, Seamus? Because it doesn't logically fit into what the world should be doing. No, because <laughs> it logically does. You little shit. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> so Diane Lane, so after Dredd kills a bunch of guys in the building and wins and then picks up Rob Schneider, Diane Lane, who is playing Judge Hershey and Judge Dredd, argue about emotion. And Hershey's like, don't you should have emotion. And Dredd's like, no, I shouldn't. And there's no way that'll be resolved by the end of the movie. Dredd spots Schneider secreted away in a droid and busts him and sentences him for five years, which is very rude and he shouldn't do it. And just because he was um, trying to save his own life and yes. he was doing nothing. So, you know, just showing that maybe um, maybe the cops aren't good in this film. What? Dredd's solution is that he should have jumped out the window yeah. so as not to be involved in a crime. So yes. not break the law because the law is... To be fair, fucking... that's what I do. <laughs> I don't want to be involved in no crimes. I'd kill and myself. It's important to mention that Rob Schneider's character, Fergie, is a hacker. We learn that in this moment because yes, he's hacked the important. droid and also he talks about, he's like, a hacker, huh? And he's like... I'm a hacker. <laughs> I'm a hacker. Yeah. What do you want? Oh, it's mean. Uh, oh, you're mean. I like the line. I like. I did like the Fergie line, which was like, "It should have jumped out the window. That's suicide." And then Stallone says, "Well, it is legal." I hated that line so much. It was so bad. So we cut to some big wigs having a meeting about how bad crime is getting. Max von Sydow is there, and this is the first time that I was like, "Wait, Max von Sydow is a." good guy in this movie and I thought the very obvious thing that this movie was going to do is that Max von Sydow seems like he's going to be the good guy, the mentor, uh, the exact same thing that he does. It is Max von Sydow in Minority Report, yeah, I it think, is. Yeah, yeah. Where, where he's like, I've been your mentor all these years. I'm go- like, I am looking after you. And then of course, at the end of the movie, it turns out he's the bad guy. He's been running. He's the reason Sylvester Stallone got kicked out in the first place and has been trying to control the thing all along. But the movie doesn't do that at all and just kills Max von Sydow off ha- halfway through the movie. Like Minority Report was only about six years after this movie was made, which is insane to me when I that think about this. Crazy. <laughs> so in my that is head, a crazy so I just realized this. So, so I'm like, in Wait, my head, that I true? think that, yeah, because it was 2001, wasn't it? It's 995, right? I think you're. I think it is 2001, 2002. Yeah. But still. But in terms of like style and uh, quality of movie, like this one, maybe in my head, like if I think about Batman 1989, this is like maybe I'm being too kind on this film because I think it's older than it actually is. It's not that old in terms of action films that have it come is, out. It's one of those things that happens. It I, feels older than it is. It feels like it's, yeah, 92 or something. It feels like it's like, 80s to me. I mean, yeah, it's the it, style like of it. It could be, like, without the CG, you're like, this could be made in It's the also 80s. 10 years after RoboCop. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's 10 years after RoboCop and six years before Minority Report, which I, like, uh, this movie looks beautiful. That is condemning. <laughs> <laughs> it is a little condemning. Yeah. So, si- oh, sorry, did you want to say? Yeah. Just, just this whole thing about Sidow and, you know, Dredd's general attitude about law. You're absolutely right. In the Minority Report, that would be the twist because then it would be like, you should actually readjust your opinions of the cops. This movie has no opinion on cops. It just thinks cops are good. Even Jed- Dredd at the start where yeah. it's like, he's being a little bit rude. He doesn't change no in the slightest well, it, I, th- there is the very uh, slight change if he learns that maybe letting some emotions into your life as you're mercilessly killing civilians is a good thing yeah. like that's the huge change in that movie yeah we'll get to it later but his arc with fergie seems really obvious and they just don't do it yeah oh wait what you, oh, oh that he is like oh i shouldn't have you're actually a good guy no conversation happens no 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 no, no. it's crazy yeah, I mean, it's sort of important to note that like the cop system in this movie is not like, although it, obviously they are cops and judges and that kind of thing. I, I think it is kind of suggesting that 
maybe society isn't working super well under this system, the whole <laughs> film, right? Yeah, like, I don't think it's, it's necessarily like, like and fuck, now everything's perfect. Yeah, the judges were like, that's this is the perfect system. Like, yeah. I think but it's, it has, it's, the, the judge system has one bad guy. It's very funny that it, there is only one bad guy in this entire judge system. But, it, but I mean, the whole- pre, the, But the world's fallen. Like the whole, like it's what, 98% unemployment and there's block wars and these guys are inundated. It's like the whole system's broken, right? Yeah, That's and, the, and point. The, the premise of Judge Dredd- Does he Dredd, learn anything? Absolutely not, but whatever. Judge Dredd, the comic book, is that the this is a fascist government and Judge Dredd is a fascist. Yeah. And he, uh, you know, over time and over different- like. There is that thing of like uh, kind of liberal uh, fascist um, kind of idealism or like uh, dr like dreaming or, or fantasizing about like, oh, what if it was okay to be a fascist, which I think happens sometimes. But it is like a thing where slowly he realizes that the system that he is a, in, part, of, yeah. a part of, which they do a little bit in the 2012 movie, but even then it's just like, ah, it's kind of cool that he shoots guns. Uh, I love they, the 2012 movie. The 2012 movie barely thinks about that. Yes, yes. But it, the comic books do, right, in the long run? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I but guess it's over, just only over, over the long run yeah, right. and not in any like specific story, I think, or like in very specific kind of runs of it rather than like, but it is the whole thing is like a critique of, you know, neo fascism and, and, and yeah. police state and, mm. you know, specifically British police state in the 70s and 80s. Like. Yeah, okay. I think this movie, you're 100% right, sets up that society is bad. It doesn't put any blame on the judges. Oh, not at all. Which no, is no, no. very funny. It's not a particularly um, yeah, I, I th I interesting could... take or uh, it's not a thought take. compelling. It do they don't, yeah, it's... Uh... <laughs> I think you could argue that in like the central premise of like the comic book and, the, and then therefore the movie that the judges are like a bad symptom of a corrupt society. Well, like I think, I think you could allow that, and then I Armand, think you could. Armando Asante is like the you know very worst symptom of that. I yeah, because Diane Lane's character is, I guess, supposed to represent someone who has a different kind of take as a judge. So she's yeah. like, no, you shouldn't have to live and breathe this law. There's like life is a bit more complicated. And like she's kind of that version of that, and is meant to kind of be the I guess the moral compass she, of this film a bit. She doesn't have any take on the law. She only has takes on Sylvester Stallone should maybe fuck a little. It is just no no no. You, no you she talks about does. having she a life and she, you know yeah, she's she, like I have a life outside but, of this. But like her, she, her thing is like why why can't Judge Dredd be like real life cops who are good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where they she go home and then they, anyway. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. on Judge a dread specific character. She has no take on the law or the system at all. Well, One she, of goes, the big goes, problems she does go. She does go to you know like on to his defense to try and prove that like that maybe the law is like you know like in a way yeah. like maybe this is the system is flawed in a way and it only shows us what we actually want to see and because we control it all as opposed to like yeah so when she's defending she him defends as a it as a, a legitimate part of the already existing legal system she's defending him but she's defending him as a lawyer slash cop in the system she has no critique of law or the judge system she only is critiquing individuals as officers specifically through the realm uh, lens of dread. I, I think it's a bad part of the reason the character is written badly is that her take is not on the system. It's on dread specifically and having emotions and herself. Hang on. I disagree with that. I think that she's trying to do what she can within the system because that's the system that she is employed in and the whole world is run by. So she can't, unless she's going to read, lead like a, a rebellion thing. Fascists they're a fascist because like, they, they have no other, if they're being born into it, they have no idea. I think it's sort of, I, I totally agree with this. Not, it definitely, I'm reading way too much of this and I obviously agree I with this movie. Are. That's what we're here for. I, um, I do think that, I didn't come away from this movie being like, man, this system's great. Like I was literally like, what the fuck? And I don't yeah. think the film is necessarily saying it, but it doesn't critique it enough. A I goldfish agree. swimming in a fascist, <laughs> you know, goldfish bowl doesn't know they're in a fascist goldfish bowl, you know? 
And even if <laughs> is it like brainwashed by the overall? T- maybe I, I was putting well, my own opinion onto the film. And it wasn't there. I think the movie. I think the movie is brainwashed by it. Like the movie ha- has no problem. The movie has no problem with the judge system. I think you're right that the comic books do. do and I think we like and I think modern, that through a- modern sensibility and with some aesthetic oh, leanings, particularly in production design. That is go, the thing. Is like there is there but- is no way that you can. Take away the SS eagle from no, yeah, of like there, you know, you can't take that away from the costume, yeah. and that is a very, very specific thing to put on. That is not subtle, but it whatsoever. is from. It is interesting in the way that it's adapt. It is adapt. It is adapting a anti-fascist work without taking any of the ideals behind it. So it's yeah. just the visuals of an anti-fascist. So this is a medium separate from the comic book is just kind of pro-fascist. Yeah, sure. Uh, (laughs) I'm trying to think of like, oh, if you just did a world set in Mouse, but it's about just a a cop's bad day in like the the comic book Mouse. I'm trying to think because like obviously the other character we're meant to be as audience sympathetic of and relate to is Rob Schneider's character who is very, you know, we're kind of meant to think that he's been unfairly treated by the law. And he's kind of meant to be that role. Yeah. Am I saying it's successful in doing that? (laughs) No, but I don't think this movie... I don't think that Judge Dredd learns, but isn't that kind of part of his character arc? Or it's sort Absolutely. of like, he's, like, he's just I'm a like, I'm judge. a fucking judge. And then she's like, well, like just. Has there ever been a more romantic kiss on, on camera? <laughs> that is truly one of the funniest no, moments I, of my life. I don't think it's successful in doing that, but I think that there's a, uh, there's a, a yeah, a, I'm a with you. It's like, it's it. unsuccessful. But, but that doesn't mean they weren't like trying, trying. at least to like. I don't think. I, I agree the, with you. The, like, thing the, film I disagree, is the thing I disagree with is I don't think they're trying. I don't think they're even consciously having a take on fascism as part of the movie. I think they've taken them a product that is full of fascist imagery and are just using that to create a Sylvester Stallone action movie. Oh, 100%. Which is, no, yes. because of that has- uh, but, th- but their intention is not interesting to me. What I'm interested in is what the movie says. But that's what I'm, that, that's my, my thing is that I think in, because of that, the intention of the movie comes across as, Cops are good. We just need to get rid of the one bad apples. Yeah. Fascism is good. But I'm I'm not here to read intention. I'm here to read like. But the I'm text. okay. I'm talking about the text that I'm seeing. I think yeah. if you look at the text that is presented, that is the message of the movie, which is cops are good. I, fascism kind of good. No, side out but then. I, well, well, let's keep going and we'll. we'll <laughs> no, no, no. I just we'll think unpack I think it. like I. I don't think it's particularly a deep critique of it. And I think obviously the source material has a lot more in there. And they, I think I agree with you. They were just trying to make an action film. with was I didn't quite get there. But I do think that like maybe your point doesn't stand with the character of Fergie and him kind of getting away with breaking the law and being kind of, I think that that character is meant to be that I, other perspective, right? Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. The character that just, is constantly mocked and marked as a coward throughout the movie and is only given his freedom because he specifically helped a cop. Like textually, yeah. that is like, Kind, it is still fully in line with the sort of pro-fascist, pro, pro-elite uh, police state. And this is like oh, yeah. one guy who is the most absurd version of being caught up in a crime. He's not even a true criminal. He is in a crime situation by accident. No, he's definitely a true criminal. He was hacking stuff. But he's- he That's how he got into prison in the first. Yeah, yeah so now he's out and he's free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it was just- I'm not saying that Rob Schneider should have gone to prison. I'm not saying <laughs> yeah. that. I, I and also, the, but this is the thing. The movie is also not saying, he's saying, the, the movie in the text is saying that Rob Schneider should not have gone to prison. 
And therefore, when he, yes, yes, that is 100% correct. Yes. And so when uh, Sylvester Stallone breaks him out and Rob Schneider is a coward, but it's like it's like being like, and he's a coward and therefore the movie d- thinks he's worthless, which I don't think is true. I don't think so either. And he ends up it's saving the day and he ends up, he ends up, saving up saving the day. Day. and he ends up being heroic. And yes, he ends up helping a cop. The movie loves cops. Yeah, but this movie no, also, that, don't forget that. <laughs> Judge Dredd, he's, the system he loves so much turns against him and that's the point. That's a that's the crux of the film. Yes, he doesn't learn at the end. He's just like, well, that's because of the other guy. But I think it's like the re- we're showing a lot of corrupt cops within this system. One. Two. Three, actually. So we've got the head of the council. We've then got the clone. clone guys. Then we've got Rico, the who is already put in prison by the system working. And we've got Max Anson, who also was doing a dodgy as well before he was, he was doing a dodgy. And we're, he's we're Max von Sydow was I doing a dodgy. I think we're, but led, he was we're right. led to believe that the whole council he created dread. is the whole council is. He created dread, is, but he also created Rico. He did, and so, so he, he was tried doing to cover a middle. Who's doing it worst? No, that's not a middle. <laughs> if you if you do illegal shit that creates one good thing, it doesn't mean you're a middle. <laughs> so <laughs> really, Judge Dredd is the is, and Diane Lane are, only, are presented as the only good cops in this film because everyone else is corrupted by power. They end up fighting the other cops. Yeah, they fight the cops. Yeah. So it's not like wow. a. So really, I don't think they have one of any, the most progressive. I don't think they have any judgment on any of those. Like, <laughs> I think they do. No, no, no. The, I th- my take on this movie is that the premise is that the cops of this world should chill out and be like the cops of our normal world. Yeah, which is a terrible which take. Which is not a good take, but I think that's the take but, the And in has. this context of how this society works, it's like, it's just, you know, the, the Judge Dredd is wrong and Diane Lane's character is somewhat right and then the system he loves so much turns against him and then he has to, like, understand and take down the rest of the cops because there's, like, there's... Because everyone just happens to be a cop in this movie. So it's like... <laughs> yeah, everyone happens uh, to be a cop. Good cops versus worse cops, right? Yeah. Bad but, cops versus worse cops is yeah. how I would describe there it. There are only two classes of citizens they are cops and criminal, but criminal. I don't, yeah that's how this, this world works but i don't think this movie has any critique on the system that it presents it, it does do- it does it's just saying they need to hey be, you gotta chill out you gotta, and you chill gotta go out home a little to your bit family occasionally <laughs> you, the system the system the fascist system look, is working bad. great no 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 I, no, I, no, I, no no it's not it's at all the fascist saying system that is not working right but cops are good. I think that's what okay. it's saying. It's like cops very, very necessarily, and it's, we it's, love them. It's a real, However, this system, it's this a real system, hashtag, we're not so sure. It's a hashtag not all specifically, cops. Sort of like, specifically it's a, it's evil a not, cloning cops are a bad idea. Everything else is kind of fun. No, but the, no, no, but the rest of the, the council, that's so weird. To what we're saying. The rest of the council who run everything who run, are all corrupt as well. We're kind no, of three, showing to the, see that. The other three, it is only... Jürgen. Uh, it is only Jürgen. The other three are like, no, let's not do this. We need to minimize civilian casualties. Why are you awaking these clones? This is a bad idea. All of them are against him. All of them are good guys. Like if the entire council did it, then it would but actually be critiquing the system. they were for the, the original thing that Max von Sydow was in that created so Rico. So they created so it. Sort of like they and created this problem in the first place. So. Okay. I think that we're all in agreement this movie doesn't have a amazing message, but I don't think it's pr- like, I don't think it's selling that this system has worked great because I think that it's the whole point is that Judge- It's not triumph of the will. No, because Judge Shred Politically, has- I think this movie is just a not above Triumph of the Will. You know what? I would agree with that. <laughs> Is it more pro-cop than speed? Yes. yes. I don't know about that. Ooh, interesting. Interesting. I really don't because know about that. speed really does have nothing to say about cops. No, <laughs> speed has Speed's nothing like, to say about cops. Speed, if anything, is like, that guy should not have got his severance pay. <laughs> to be fair, speed also is, is less about cops and more about, I think it is more about a bus going quickly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and this movie is about the mean machine. <laughs> well, every single character except for Rob 
and people who are criminals and murdered are cops in this. Speed at least has a bus full of civilians that are not cops. Sure. Who yes, need to be I mean, saved by, uh, what cop. is this? What are, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, You're making do no sense. That makes no sense because this is just do unfortunately- I like, uh, don't worry. Actually, I'm not going to get into this. <laughs> I'm not going to get into this because I think... Guys, I'm so, think that you can so in a fascist setting. I'm so excited to say the words that are about to come out of my mouth. Scene two. Sidow <laughs> has a meeting with Judge Dredd. He wants Dredd to be a better judge, be less cruel, gets him to work at the Judge Academy two days a week studying ethics. This is the premise of the movie. That's That's it. That is the entire thing. He's like, cops, of course, really, really good. However... Two days a week studying ethics. Let's go. No, teaching ethics. Yeah, te he's teaching ethics. That's the problem. Again, he's teaching ethics. He's but put he's in charge of the perfect. It, co he's, he's doing. He's it. the genetically okay. perfect right. cop. Cut to the villain in prison, Rico, played by Amanda Sante, American gangster, El Dorado, striptease, Private Benjamin. Kind of fun. Incredible. Also that TikTok that I sent you guys, where he talks about Greece and he loves it. We should maybe post that on Instagram. Just it's so lovely. Uh, he has a conversation with the warden. The warden gives Rico a. This is Love this bit. the part of this movie where I'm like, maybe 10 out of 10 masterpiece. Uh, the warden gives Rico a box. It has a judge badge in it that says dread. And then the box turns into a gun. Incredible. That's awesome. I want that little thing. And I then, want it as a toy. Fuck, that would be so it's, good. It's such a sick toy. It's so clearly built to be a toy. Yes. I think it was probably one of the products that I was, was in say, the Kenner yeah. deal. Oh, I want that really badly. Yeah, if anyone too. knows a way to get that or has like a degree in making little toys. Or a 3D printer. If anyone knows. Has uh, a degree in making <laughs> Santa, little toys. One of Santa's elves. <laughs> please hit me up. Then, of course, Amanda Sante says uh, my, my maybe my favorite line what is the meaning of life it ends <laughs> not my favorite line but number two rico then escapes from prison uh oh that's not going to go well cut to sliced alone teaching some new cadets at judge school running them through some weapons and vehicles he then gives a speech about how following the law is really important because of stuff and blah 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 and I, then and then um hershey diane lane kind of sees him and is like you know what i was actually really impressed by that speech you gave <laughs> I, I do have a note here that was oh man this movie would be amazing if it was directed by paul verhoeven and then i wrote oh yeah robocop <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean this this movie really is robocop meets starship troopers for me it is starship troopers with everything that makes it um ironic Taken out. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. The good, I think the good version of, of this, I like the Dread 2012 version, but it's like the good version of this style of movie is the Starship Troopers yeah. thing, where at the end it's like the judges win and you're like, Exactly. Yeah, which is, no. and so much of this aesthetically is doing the we, same we thing. We should pitch that. That sounds good. <laughs> I mean, Starship Troopers already exists. That's true. But Dread's a good IP. We could have Judge Dread, Judge Death in there. Sick. I'm all about it. But and that would be how you do it, is that you have this kind of existential threat that the judges do end up defeating. And then, then you do it, you, yeah, you, you just do Starship Troopers again. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, that, and that's the thing that this movie, for me, did remind, why it reminded me so much, and I had that the kind of pro-fascist take, is that the Starship Troopers story within Starship Troopers, like the story of the main characters, is just the triumph of the will. Yeah, yeah, yeah done in that way with all of the media critique take it like uh on top of it to make you skeezed out where this movie just feels like you're watching 
that edit of Starship Troopers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that would be a funny edit. Then I wrote this. I wrote. I think Slay is quite handsome in the nineties. It is very weird. He has blue contacts. Diane and Slay, Sly, Slay talk about how hard it is to be a cop. Some backstory about Dredd's ex-friend. I wrote probably Rico. <laughs> and then it, Rico walking the streets. He goes to Geiger's Bazaar and finds Ian Dury, who's the famous punk guy from. Um, He's a like new wave singer. I can't remember what his band is called. It might be just called Ian Dury. He gets a package. It's a judge suit. Uh, and then he wakes up an incredible looking robot. This is the best part of the movie. I love Absolutely, that robot so much. Absolutely, that guy fucking rules. The ABC warrior. They need to sell that guy at Taipatong. At oh, the very specific yeah. Cindy reference. Uh, if people aren't from Cindy, yeah, there I is a restaurant in Newtown that has a gift shop with giant robots in it. It's, and it's it, fantastic. It's a gallery and you can and buy- it should have the ABC warrior in it. Am yeah. I wrong? No, I, 100%. I think this is one of the best looking robots I've seen in film. And I love, and in the behind the scenes, I talk about this. I, they, I love that you can see through his- Head. Like you can see, like they're yeah. the kind of like the jaw and how it moves around and everything. And obviously, this is an animatronic, right? So, and puppet. I think it's part, mostly animatronic and then CGI kind of touch up. Yeah, yeah. But you can see on it's the almost behind this is all puppetry. Yeah. yeah. And I, honestly, fucking looks sick. It um, looks so good. And it growls. It's fucking awesome. It growls. He it seems like a nice guy. It doesn't speak. It doesn't have like any robot voice. It just will occasionally roar at people, which oh, is my awesome. favorite thing. Yeah, it's a great robot. So sick. And, uh, I was uh, in uh, the producers uh, kind of go through it. He's like, it's a 19 year old kid that he hired from uh, a visual design school who was doing a fake Judge Dredd uh, like one sheets oh, cool. that he was sending to like the Judge Dredd, you know, uh, production company, like the comic book production company. And then they sent this like fucking young kid up to, to Danny Cannon. He was like, you need to come on board, build this robot. And he was like, yeah, and this is my couch that I sleep on uh, when I'm here. <laughs> uh, because up. yeah, I work like 14 hours a day and then I go to sleep and I wake up and I keep working on the robot, which is bad because you bad. should pay your workers properly. And get them a bigger uh, couch. <laughs> God, that <laughs> Everyone, kid nailed it. It's so good. It's fucking incredible. I also love the prison that he escaped from because um, <laughs> the guns auto target anyone that can't speak. Which is very funny. Yes. There's a bit where he punches his like captor in the throat, and the guy goes, and he goes, "No vocal pattern recognized." Well, it's, no, it says vocal pattern not recognized. So it's just because he's got a different. Yeah, voice. so yeah. he like coughs a little, and then the guns immediately shoot the captors, and then he is out so quickly. I liked his prison. Only looked cool. It was very uh, magneto. prison. Looks like his prison. Yeah, very oh, magneto. Cool. Very magneto. Very oh, like yeah. him just standing there and being like, and I thought it looked cool. I like the iron. design of the like whole prison as well. It's like on the side of a cliff. Mm. Like on a mountain somewhere. Do we That's reckon cool. that is the Aspen penal colony that was mentioned earlier? Yeah, the, yeah, it yeah, I think is. It is. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's where Stallone is supposed to be sent to before, of course, he crashes. Right. Cut to a news <laughs> reporter. Uh, he's talking about how the system is hurting everyone, and then immediately gets smoked by a uh, someone wearing the Judge Dread costume. Diane Lane then tries to arrest a guy driving an incredible hover car. Yeah, yeah. that little like Ferrari thing. That's so cool. I want that. <laughs> Sylvester Stallone then blows that thing up after the like there's the asshole who's like yeah, yeah. you can't book me man i'm rich interesting that there is someone that's rich yeah 
who's driving on the street. That doesn't seem like it he's, should exist. Rich people, like a, a single rich guy does like open a lot of questions in it. But I also wanted to say that this guy was giving me huge Ben Schwartz energy. Sure, yeah, 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 yeah. That's, yes, maybe 10 years ago, Ben Schwartz yeah. would have done that. Now he's too too big, uh, good for Ben. Uh, <laughs> so Judge Dredd is incorruptible. He won't take money. He won't Yes, he can't be bribed. He can't do it. He doesn't do anything. No one is above the law. And then Sylvester Stallone immediately blows the car up. And I wrote, this movie might be good. (laughs) (laughs) Then Dredd immediately gets arrested for killing the reporter, which we don't think that he did. There's no way he's our hero. There's a tribunal where they show Dredd killing the reporter. Diane Lane is defending him because I guess, I guess if you are, wait, in a world where you're judge, jury, and executioner, does that mean there's no lawyers? Well, there are no, only they, other judges. they defend each other because she be, defends but, him. Oh, yeah. But she, judge, she's jury, acting and executioner, as a lawyer. Th- those three things. Lawyer is the thing well, in you between have to be, those You have things. to be a lawyer to become a judge. Sure, that is true. So yeah. I guess this is law school. And also they start when they are apparently... 13? Yeah, they start very, very young. really fucked up to look at. There's just nothing else to do in this world other than be unemployed. You're either a judge. You're either a judge You're that rich or guy or, or you're unemployed. <laughs> yeah, or you own a car, I guess. Me? I'd be a rich guy. I, uh, <laughs> my favourite part of the, uh, in the arresting yeah. scene, and I'm jumping back, is that uh, Sylvester Sloane taking a note from the ABC warrior just growls at the guy at one point. Mm. Did, you, did you notice that? After, he, after the guy goes like, I have powerful friends, he just goes... In his face. It's so funny. So it turns out the bullets that were shot into the news reporter were DNA coded to Judge Dredd. So therefore, there's no possible way that Judge Dredd could have done it. And of course, no one has ever thought of twins in this world. (laughs) No one's ever had twins before. They are like, I guess, exactly clones. They're exact clones, except they look nothing alike. But here's the thing about Sidow. He knows that. Yeah. Yeah, but do they have to admit that he exists? Well, no, but he, he, thinks he's, he, no, he but thinks he's dead for some no, reason. No, no, he doesn't. He no, he thinks doesn't. he's stuck in prison. No, he said he was he was executed. The he got put in prison by the other guy. Who's the other guy? Uh, the German, uh, the German. The other, guy. the main bad wow. guy. Jürgen. Yes, sorry, that's right. So he thinks that he's dead. Yeah, he thinks he's dead. So he thinks it's impossible. Mm. I agree. He's still a huge dummy because if this happens, you'd probably go. Maybe you should see if Rico's yeah, actually. Yeah, we should dead. actually just check if Rico's alive. Yeah, that would be a really good pick. Then Sidal's left-hand man, who is Jürgen, suggests he goes on to the longest walk to save. Uh, Sylvester Stallone's life. So the yeah. only way, so which is a bizarre kind of running of the system where if like if someone is sentenced to death, the only way to stop them from dying is for the head judge to then step out into the wasteland. Any to judges. retire. Yeah. Yeah. And then their wishes will be um, taken in. Uh, also, bad, of their... re- bad retirement plan for all cops. Yeah. That's what all cops do. Well, that, yeah. that's why they're so, so mad all the time. I, was, I had to pause this and fully debate it because I was like, hang on, what does this mean? <laughs> Apparently it's like the idea is that you have done, like it's meant to be like a great honour and you kind of go out into the wasteland and you're meant to like bring the law to the people who live outside Can of I... like and the, the teachings of the law. Can I ask you a question? Who are you debating with? Oh, Joss and I. Yeah, yeah, sorry, we were just trying to figure it out. We were like, hang on, what does it mean? And Apparently, Joss was saying that it's a great honour. <laughs> what does Joss know? I think what does he fucking know? I think he's this might actually be a part of the comics. I've right. Read. Uh, yeah, I, I think he's Did a Did Joss fan. read the comics? I think so. I don't okay. fucking know. Anyway, I got my source from my boyfriend and I who was just like, hang on, what does this mean? But I was like, wait. Because my first thing, I was like, well, why the fuck would you ever want to become a judge? He's like, no, it's like. It's meant to be the like out there, but you're meant to kind of go and, you know, bring the teachings of the law to the people who live in the wasteland. Yeah, right. Sounds bad. So not not only are they fascist in their own place, they're also very colonial. Absolutely. <laughs> All bad news. The thing I thought about Ma- uh, Max von Sydow here is because is that um, 
Find out in behind the scenes the reason that Sylvester and uh, Armin are wearing contacts is to match Max von Sydow. Oh, because he's the he's got the like beautiful blue eyes, which is fine. But surely you put the Sante doesn't have blue eyes. He's wearing the blue contacts. He's also wearing the blue contacts. He's also wearing the blue contacts. Mm, they are also unconvincing. <laughs> yeah, which is why, which it's is what's easier. crazy. Why not just give him darker eyes? Exactly. They should have just given well, Max von Sydow. Max von Sydow is going to be like, guys, I was in the seventh seal. Absolutely, <laughs> fuck off. I think Max von Sydow was probably having a time of his life. He just seems to enjoy like he, doing these roles. He, he does seem to love it. Yeah. The man, that man must have been so rich God. at the end of his life. Mm, there yeah. must have been. There must have been a point in his like. Early 50s, where he was like, I never need to work again. But is he like getting merchandise deals for the seventh seal? Like, no, but for like Flash Gordon and yeah. Star Wars, and he's he's not he's, he's, he's not, not in until yeah, until, he's in the uh, very end. Yeah, but it's like Force he's Awakens, in sorry. you know seven thousand movies, and a lot of them are huge. Yeah, I wonder how much he would have got. He, I wonder if he would have been rich. Like that's the thing. He's worked retire. He. he he worked reliably for so long, but is what's he building this? Is he even like top three? Yeah, he's he's oh, he's the end actually. He's, he's the, the end. end. So he's getting yeah. good money. But he was the end for forty years. True. Like, in every every single movie, and he probably you got to imagine he was paid at least a million dollars. I think he's comfortable, more comfortable <laughs> than me. Well, he's he's passed away. <laughs> well, no, I think no, he's no sorry, comfort yes, like yes, the grave, guys. Guys. But I think he was comfortable in terms of how he was paid. But I don't think he would have made as much money as anyone like you know Jack Nicholson playing the Joker. No, yeah, no, that's that's not what I'm saying. I'm just but saying there was a certain point where Max von Sydow definitely yeah, could have very, retired very early but on. Just enjoyed acting. He just loved it. Yeah, which and is that's great. nice. So Sydow then, speaking of, goes into the wasteland that surrounds the mega cities. Dread gets sent to the Aspen Penal Colony, the same prison that was holding Rico and. Diane Lane goes to look for clues to exonerate Dredd, finds a photo of him and Rico. Then we cut to Rico's back in town. He's back in Mega City One and is very rude to Jürgen Prochnow. Uh, just Jürgen Prochnow very quickly. Firewalk with me, June, Da Vinci Code, In the Mouth of Madness, Dust Boot, Air Force One. Also, the German uh, dub for Sylvester Stallone for many years. Oh, I did not know that. Well, yeah, we got to do him. Jürgen. Yeah. What's up? Put some uh, Jürgen on our plate. So he's he's sorry. Jürgen is the militant judge that side out was talking to. If that hasn't, we haven't made that clear. Secret evil judge, second yes. in command. Mm-hmm. Have you got a net worth of Max von Sydow? Is that what you, or are you still looking up uh, pornography? Apparently, his uh, net worth was connect to Wi-Fi. Okay. The Wi-Fi you're using may require you to log in. Sly on a prison to, a prison ship to Aspen Prison. He's sitting next to Rob Schneider, who reveals that he's dread to the other prisoners. They try and attack. This is something that is obviously just part of the camera uh, character and part of the comedy. It's not very funny. Mm-hmm. But the fact that Schneider is so loud-mouthed every single second and never shuts up is just just very frustrating to watch. At this mm. point, I almost forgive it because it feels like he's intentionally trying to get Dread fucked up. Sure. It's a little he's, bit... He just seems like he's dumb, but he's actually really smart. Well, if he's like... He's a hacker. It kind of almost <laughs> felt threatened. But it's hard. I can't hack. <laughs> You're 100 percent right. 100 percent right. You're he's got to have something so right. going on. He's not dumb. You're so right. He's not right. There's he's a scene later a that it really drives me fucking nuts. Yeah. So then he reveals that he's dread to the other prisoners. They try and attack Dread, but as they do, some Outlander types shoot down the prison ship, which crashes. I think this crash looks really, really good. Yeah, it does. It's good. The 95. I think it looks sick. The Outlander types, of course, are the mm-hmm. um, Angel family. Yes. Which and one of them is the guy from. Uh, 
is the guy from Train Spotting. I've got his name down here. The cyborg one? No, like it's a guy it. in the hat. Yeah, so oh, it's Spud. the one. Yeah, it's I Spud. I think it is Spud. Yes, it is. It is, you checked. It is. Yeah, I checked. It is um, Spud from Trainspotting, whose name is Ewan Bremer. Ewan Bremer. He, he's playing, yeah, Ewan Bremner. Yeah. Yeah, he's playing a real scuzz bum in this, and I, it's a real joy to see him for like 13 really seconds. Because I saw him, I was like, that looks like Ewan Bremner, but I was like, that doesn't work out, but it does. No, yeah, yeah. Trainspotting was four years later or whatever. Yeah, it is, it is Ewan Bremner. No, he's doing eight years later. He's doing a great little performance, and it he's great. reminds me a little bit of the scuzz bum that he plays in Wonder Woman as well. Yes. Who's yes. got that same like fucked up weird hat energy. He loves to wear a little silly beanie. I love. That's so funny to be typecast as like, I bet you'd look good with a silly little beanie Weird on. guy in a hat. Yeah. I think he's got a broad brim in this, but he's got horrible little hair strings. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Real Hills have eyes energy coming from that crew. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, we're going to get to my favorite character right now. So Dredd I, has been taken yeah. and captured by the Outlanders, the Angel family, is that what they're called? Mm. Uh, and we are introduced to a machine man. Love him. Uh, whose name is Mean Machine. He is Christopher Adamson, Pirates of the Caribbean, Fifth Element, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, Three Musketeers. Who is he in Pirates of the Caribbean? Got no idea. I think he's one of the skeletons or something like he's just a guy that's like let's put me in a bunch of makeup fight fight scene yeah. kind of guy he yeah. fucking rules schneider pretends to be religious to escape but it turns out these outwater weirdos are cannibals Oh, spooky. Dread then fights his way out pew pew shoots a gun that he shouldn't be able to aren't they dna coded but i guess the shock rifles a much more no, dangerous gun are not DNA. They're coded. not peacemakers. They're owned by what apparently are like the, I don't know what, I've called no, them dread troopers just because I made them up. They wouldn't have been able to fire them, the family, right? Because they they have to be dumb. So they would have had to like, in my head, they just hacked them and made them so you can fire them, right? No, 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 but the, the shock troopers that come in. Oh, the shock troopers, sorry. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. They've got guns and then Sly ends up using their guns. But shouldn't they also but be But maybe because he's a judge and he's judge. No, because they're specifically DNA, mm. DNA coded to every single Look, judge. It's a plot hole. I'll give you that. It, I just think if I was a fascist police state, I would make sure that not just the small pistols that I give everyone, but also the large machine guns that I give everyone were DNA coded. Gun technology is really taking a step back in the future. But it hasn't. We just need to fund our resources <laughs> to make sure. Because you're, actually, you're suggesting that this police state needs more gun control. Not more gun control. I just think I control think over they guns. Need, control over guns. <laughs> they need, I think I think what would solve this problem is more funding to the police and then more cops. <laughs> nice, uh, Schneider. <laughs> yeah, this is where I wrote Schneider. Kind of good. Schneider. Kind of good. Schneider. Kinda Schneider. Kind of good in this bit. Like obviously. There is a lot of this movie that is either the producers or or Sly being like, "Hey, Rob, you just go off, just improvise, you just go crazy." And Schneider is a very talented, sometimes funny guy. Yeah, <laughs> and I think he bats like a, I don't know, six sixty percent. Uh, yeah, he's doing. He's he's I think doing a fine performance in a very shittily written character. Yes. Then, surprise, Max von Sydow shows up because, of course, he does because there's only two people in the Outland and it's only 20 blocks. Saves Dread and then immediately gets killed by Mean Machine. I've said that that is a great way to go and maybe the way that I want to go out. This bit is so funny because they do the guy about to kill Sylvester Stallone killed by another guy off screen like three times in a row. <laughs> yes. It goes, someone is killed by another guy from off screen three times because Papa Angel goes to stab Dread with a staff but is shot off screen 
screen by a trooper too, who then gets shot to death from a screen by Max von Sydow, who then gets stabbed by Mean Machine, who was asleep from earlier in the scene. It's like the, it's the Adam Sandberg SNL skit where people just keep on popping up and shooting yeah, each other. What you see? <laughs> so Diane Lane finds out that there is a fake picture of Dread that he keeps in his locker. Oh, this, this is, is so this good. This is the best I love bit of the whole When movie. put through a machine that is unfortunately not mean, this is a normal this machine. This is a regular which machine. I have now decided that I dislike any machine that is not mean. <laughs> All machines should be at least a little bit mean. So the way Mean Machine works is the little dial on his head adjusts how angry he is. Yes! Yeah. That's awesome. awesome! So you can dial it, to, but you also dial it, it doesn't have one. like a break, and so you can dial it to just like so angry, destroy him. Oh, so angry you fall asleep? Yeah. <laughs> hey, sometimes I get that way, you know? Yeah. I get so worked up and I'm like, I'm just going to take a nap. Take a little angry nap and do little runs. <laughs> okay, well, I, now we're just describing my life. This sequence of the fake photo with the fake parents and the mm. baby is probably the funniest. Like, I actually was crying. <laughs> I just, like, it's so good. It's like, wait a second. If I just, like, reverse the – it is just someone going Apple Z on a computer Photoshop thing, and I'm here for it. It's awesome. Uh, yep. Um, and also I just love – like, what made me laugh is that she's like, huh, and then she sees a picture of him with just a guy, and she's like – she thinks to go and look into it. It's like just a picture of him and a guy, man. Yeah. Like, why are you <laughs> like, what, so like? You, and she's like, like, this codex doesn't line up. And then she has some nerd yeah. computer friend that I was unfortunately not old enough to audition for. Uh, and then <laughs> everything but the baby is fake. <laughs> Every, everything. But the, so it's sorry to explain because a lot of people won't have seen so this movie. Funny, dude. Is um, it's uh, two <laughs> parents standing with, next to a baby on like a park bench, and then. When they take away the CGI fakery away from it, which is just like a little like eraser tool on it's, like it's, a phone app. You press the button and it disappears. Yeah. Yeah. One by one, like first he's like, mm, the parents are fake. And they go into like little pixels. And it's awesome. like, not just that, everything but the baby is fake. <laughs> and then the background goes onto what is now clearly the fake screen screen of a little baby just sitting on a desk in the middle of a laboratory. It's it honestly was, the fucking funniest thing I've ever seen. It was like, a psycho choice to be like, okay, so this whole sequence is going to be like revealing this kind of CGI, you know, this fakery around this baby. Well, first of all, what we're going to do is take a real <laughs> photo of the baby at the park with his parents. <laughs> then we're going to work backwards. <laughs> and it doesn't even look like Photoshop. It looks like they cut out a picture of a baby with the parents' scissors <laughs> and, and stuck, stuck it on. onto the loading screen it's, from Gears of War. It's so good. Okay, yeah. That, so, so I'm I, still on board with this movie at this point. Well, yeah, so this I'm is, kind of still am. Yeah, right. So this is like 45, 50 minutes into the movie. The movie's only an hour and 40 minutes long. If you're getting to 50 minutes and you're like, maybe yeah. movie good. I had a fucking romp up to this point. Yeah. Sliced Alone is giving wild line deliveries every opportunity given. We, have, we haven't really mentioned that he has a catchphrase, which is, I knew you were going to say that. Which is... Crazy. Judge Dredd doesn't need more than one catchphrase. He has the catchphrase, I am the law. It is oh, one is of his catchphrases. <laughs> the most iconic catchphrases in the history of cinema. He's just caught sojourned a couple of times and like throws a book. Well, that's the thing. That's pretty good. Keep he on... throws a book? I didn't see yeah, it. He throws a law book. Doesn't he? he? <laughs> <laughs> I think you might have made that. Did I make this a fan have, you, might, you might have had a Sorry, fucking stress dream. Oh, the book of him. God's a joke. I think I remember him saying courts of jam. Yeah, I think he, he threw like a knife, not a fucking law book. He just needs one catchphrase. That's the thing. That That's my thing. He doesn't need four. You think it doesn't make sense? 
Okay. Side so out. next bit. Before he dies, reveals that they cloned him to make Judge Dredd. Uh, and as is Rico, so he made the perfect criminal and the perfect lawman from his own DNA. Rico mutated into the perfect criminal. What? That's a, that's a line. You say, you say <laughs> Rico genetically mutated into the perfect criminal. One was the perfect cop and the other one was the perfect criminal. He mutated into a criminal because uh, criminality is genetic. Of course. Well, yeah. that's true. Yeah. Uh, and he mutated into it. <laughs> so then, uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm here to join the Xavier Academy. What's your What's your mutation? Perfect criminal. Crime. <laughs> <laughs> so then Stallone uh, stares and looks out at a window and says, "My whole life is a lie." Rico, Rico, he's alive. Do you think he already knows? But it doesn't matter. No, because he thinks he executed him. Everyone thinks that Rico's dead. It was Jürgen who kept him alive. He, <sighs> no, Drudge Dredd thinks that he executed him. Right? He, he judged, he yeah, judged he says him. He judged him. And I, then they think sorry, he was executed I by the police. That he said he judged him by which he meant like his fashion choice. No, no, no. <laughs> but what's that's weird though is like, no, they him got him. Prison. Yeah, they yeah they caught him. He judged him. I don't know. Why. Yeah, so he, so he because if Stallone judged him and he was sent to prison, I was just, because otherwise, Sidow thinks he was executed. Sidow does, but Dredd doesn't. Dredd thinks he was executed. No, he doesn't because he was like, I judged him, so that means that he sent him to prison because otherwise no, they, he would have shot him in the head. They think he's dead. I think he's dead. He Dredd, thinks, cannot... Dredd thinks he's dead. Dredd doesn't always immediately murder people. I'm not saying it's consistent, but Dredd will arrest people who will then go get executed. He just normally He'll go to trial executes people in the street. Oh, so he went to trial. Yeah, he yeah and they. But and they don't go. There's no such thing as trial because they are judge, jury, no, and executioner. We just saw a trial. No, we saw I a trial because he's a that's judge. That's, that's the trial only that happened. police are allowed. Trials. Only the police. He was. <laughs> he was a judge. Yeah, he was a judge. He was oh, judged. Sorry. You know what? You're stupid. I'm stupid. He was a judge. He hey, was. He, no, wait. Was he a judge? Yes. yes. But he was the perfect criminal. Don't yes. you know he that did stuff? that uh, behind the back. He was like, yeah, he became he, a criminal. Quite, we never know what his crime. Together, like Lincoln, he was genetically mutated <laughs> into the perfect criminal, but started work yeah, but as a judge. Hang on, you know what's great? A or perfect. Later. But you know that no, because perfect criminal. I feel like the way to be a what, perfect criminal. You think criminal he was the boss lie. baby of crime? No, but I think he he used um the resources that judges get in this world in which only judges get these resources to do evil under the noses of everyone, and then he got caught. Probably that's what a perfect criminal looks like. Sorry, just a. This is not particularly related. Is his name Rico Dread? <laughs> I don't know. I guess he it didn't would know his brother. He yeah, it would be. It would be Rico Dredd. Armand. No, Armand Asante d- did know that. No, he brother. doesn't know that he's doesn't? brother. No, that's a big reveal because Max von Sydow's like, hey, yo, yo. he's your brother. And no, he's no, like, Rico oh, George, knows, my brother. But um, Judge Dredd doesn't know. Yeah, yeah Rico but Rico does, does know. But it's no, not clear why or how. <laughs> I think it's because the other guy told him and they were working Jürgen. together again. Yeah, because yeah, Jurgen put him in prison and then was like, eventually, this is going to pay off. Yeah. Saved his life in secret. Yeah. So Dredd recommits to the entire concept of justice in front of a big statue of Lady Justice, very subtle. Then the third act starts. And I've got to admit, this is where we really start to trundle a little way downhill. To be fair, the the it is really nice to see Mega City One again. It, it was rules. nice. I missed yeah. it. So Dredd, I missed it, <laughs> I missed it too. <laughs> to be fair, it's like thirty minutes away from Mega City One. <laughs> I as much as hey. I'm a big fan of Mega City One. I love a fascist police state as much as the next guy. I love a place Aesthetically, like kind of. Uh, <laughs> so third act starts. Dredd decides he's going back to kill Rico for kind of, yeah, it makes sense. Then uh, Joan Chen from Twin Peaks and Lost Caution shows up. up. 
She's just the fucking best. Way too late to see Joan Chan. No <laughs> point in this movie. I, I actually had the thought, I was like, why is she in here? Because she does eventually turn evil. I was like, oh, it's so Diane Lane has someone to punch. Yes, yep. that is exactly right. And also like, so this took me a while to realise. Well, not really. I was like, hang on, because they have this, her and old mate have this like highly sexually charged moment when he comes in where they're kind of, but she was his lab assistant to start with when he was a judge, when he was yes. doing his research. So it's to be expected that she's sort of been waiting for him, I right? thought she, no, she was his shrink. Like she was his, like she, because she yeah, argued for right. him to be me, assessed as mentally insane when that's he right. was being yes, judged. She does say that. So she was his shrink and this is like so the most rushed killed. Harley Quinn arc in the history of uh, cinema. Was she his shrink or was it that she was just called in as a witness because she worked with him? No, but no, she no, she tried to have him um, yeah, yeah, it does say that she was medically insane. Well, I think it's the same thing insane. of like, if you're judge, jury, and executioner, you are also psychologist, veterinarian, <laughs> veterinarian yeah. and jury. And so in order to save his life, she says that she thinks he's insane, right? Um, I, diagnosed. Like she's a doc, like she also, she was diagnosing him as. Yeah, I mean, I think that they can just do everything. I think you're right. Sort of yeah, you're right. right. But she was doing Doctor that. She's also an So really mouth, she's been, know, and she's, I assume, throat. has been continuing his like diabolical plans without him waiting for him to come out. I think that's the vibe of what I got later. I think she was standing perfectly still in this room <laughs> until they walked in like an NPC. Yeah, she, she has huge NPC I think energy. she re- yeah. walked in and was like, turned to Rico immediately and said the one line. And then as soon as the camera turns off, she turns back away and stares glassily at the wall. Just Maybe like, I was just desperately trying to give this some kind of like character arc because I was so confused. As well, to she, why. Does, she does have a character arc. Her character arc is she's upset at uh, Rico because she's like, you d- naughty boy, you shouldn't have done that. And then she's like, but also now I'm obsessed with you because you built a big robot. I would I say it's less that- of an arc as it is a triangle. She just changes direction completely <laughs> without anyone. I assume that yeah. she'd actually just been waiting for him to come out so she could continue their diabolical plans together. Yeah, but, but maybe that's she's just been working like with Jurgen up to this point. Elder Scrolls yeah. Three Morrowind, and then she's just happy to, come to up kill with her him. Xbox Classic. She is happy to kill Jurgen. So yeah. she's been working I think with Jurgen, doing the plans the whole time. I think she's been the the well, one. Joan Chen is the mastermind. I think she is. I actually do. But they haven't been able to access any of the clones, and I assume that she's some sort of scientist. Well, she is. Yeah, she's a scientist, veterinarian, she was like psychotherapist. His assistant. We don't know that she's a, dr- a judge yet. So we just assume- She's not a judge. So yeah, so we just assume that most jobs are five jobs in the yeah, future. Yeah, I think so. I, I, think, like I think you're all allowed a couple jobs. I yeah. did not pick up that she was- Well, that's why there's 98% I that fucking she... unemployment because uh, like <laughs> a you have... certain group of people have all 10 jobs. Bricklayer, professor, just... <laughs> and rodeo clown. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, I think she's, whatever. I'm glad that she's in it. I'm glad she's in it too. But I don't know. Did you hear the great Zambinis in town? The geologist? Okay. <laughs> so Rico <laughs> blows up a bank and the dread police station. His cool robot fucks up some judges and then Armand DeSante says, my boy, which I really, really enjoyed. Diane Lane almost gets blown up by the bomb. Jürgen Prock now is now... <laughs> Jürgen Prock now is in a big meeting with the head judges and says they should unlock the Janus files, something that has never been mentioned previously in this movie and is now brought in with 20 minutes left. Jürgen, I think, mentions the Janus project to Sidow yeah. when he says we, we'll have to uh, make sure Dredd doesn't get killed because that will reveal that Sidow is involved with the Jürgen project. It all I works mem- together. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's a perfectly plotted movie. So, uh, so the Janus files, there is some sort of genetically improved officers of the law that they've created a bunch of clones of, but they actually haven't created them. This is, I think, the worst choice the movie makes where they're like, and the clones will be ready in 
eight hours and you're like movie you've got 20 minutes left you gotta you gotta move buddy well it's it's trying to cover Sidow's butt a little bit because it's like oh no he actually never went through with the rest of the cloning project because he figured out it was bad and so he turned it off and they were like cloning has progressed so now we can just make him an adult in eight hours but a hundred percent but they should say 10 minutes <laughs> why did why does it have to be eight hours well, they could have just so said we've got uh, 900 already get, um judge dread back from Desert then make it half an hour. Like, do make make it the they time it, that is left. They in were the flying. They, they were flying in a plane. So There's eight hours left for Judge Dredd to get back. Because he flew in a plane quite far and then got shot down. Has to get back. That's pretty far. Yeah, yeah but it makes perfect sense because the writer said right that he's right outside Mega City One. Okay. Yeah, and he no, needed eight hours no, no, to get there. No, no, because no. That, oh, what, not, what happened? It was eight hours away. No, it wasn't because then he speeds it up and he's and they're like, oh, we're, no, we're yeah. actually still three hours away from it being yeah, ready. Yeah, that's good. And he's he like, goes, Fuck it. I don't care. But to be fair, yeah, the reason it means that they can beat them easily because he has to do it quickly. And yeah, and what you want for your villains is there for you to be able to beat them easily. If you want my reason. The reason I think they put it at eight hours and so he could arrive five hours, not that the hours matter, but it is because they don't want to have a bunch of guys that look exactly like Rico uh, as the judge clones. So they want to make them look like weird pupa guys, which we do see later. That's why the clones are incomplete. That's why they need an artificial time that gets too early. Okay. Eight hours is still too long. Stallone and Schneider break into the mega city by going through an exhaust vent. They get into the judge building. Very bad security for the building full of cops that Stallone, the biggest criminal of all, can just like walk into the building and try to stop Rico and Jürgen from killing all of the other head judges, but they're too late. Jürgen has already started to protect Janice. Sorry, has already started Project Janice, which is going to make an evil officer or something. The stakes are not super duper clear here, I'll admit. <laughs> Honestly... Who knows what happened in the last <laughs> half of this film? Like it yeah. is the most convoluted, yeah, it's like rushed. The, the last 30 minutes just fall off like a cliff. Dredd and Schneider have to run as cops come after them. They dive out of the building on a hover bike. A car chase ensues through the wonderful PS2 graphic graphics of the 90s. This bike chase is where the movie fully lost me. Like yes. I just stopped being able to pay attention. This this fight, Corey, is terrible. It's really, really bad. And uh, yeah, it's just like the it's the thing of like if you had Max von Sydow, who was secretly the big bad guy, this would make a lot more sense. Like ev everything in this third act would kind of roll a little bit better. And but you just still the problem with Jürgen Prochnow and Rico is that they have no philosophy. <laughs> yeah, they have no villain philosophy. There is the thing that. Armand Asante says at the end where he's like, uh, that's your problem, uh, Dread. Uh, you wanted to be human when we could have been gods. And you're like, where was that for the rest of the movie? I like, guess what were you saying? So so uh, Armand Asante, am I saying? Armand Asante. Armand Asante. Armand Asante at this point decides to, instead of having a clone of Max von Sydow, replace the clones with all clones of him. Yes, that's so what So he just wants next. to be... So his philosophy is he wants to be 90 guys. Yeah, I <laughs> Which guess. I guess would make you a god. And he says to Dredd, like, Would it? Ah, if more than not being 90 guys. <laughs> but it's like... Yeah, but then they yeah, could so take much... over the system and become like the ruling judges. 90 guys. Right? Which it does say, At it the seems start. like... Uh, yeah, but Could sure. grow exponentially. But also like in but terms of their... there's more than 90 judges. Yeah, not but, the they're not, but also them. not as good as those two. They're like powerful. 
Yeah, it's so they're dumb. the perfect criminal dumb. and the perfect judge. <laughs> it's, it's not good. I do no. like the line that uh, Dread throws at him, though, which is like, why do you think you could control all these guys you can barely control yourself? Yeah. It's a good line. Which is true. How, <laughs> why Why does Armand Asante think that- 90 guys. Him, like, him, Rico, a guy that simply hates being told what to do, is going to tell himself what to do and he's going to be like, yeah, okay, he sounds good. Seems to They're going to end up punching each he other. He also seems yeah. to imply that he will listen to Dread, which is very- Almost interesting. Like at the sure. end, he says you would have been head of the council. So I guess his plan was he'll be ninety guys, and then Dread will be in charge. <laughs> hey, the, every, it's good to see you, brother. Every man There's has a ninety dream. of me to do. <laughs> ninety of me here. What do you want me to do? We'll clean toilets. We'll I've, do anything. I brought down the whole city to give you ninety guys. <laughs> Each of one them. of us can have three jobs. Ah, it's Rico's all the way down. <laughs> Meanwhile, Rico makes sure the Janus DNA thing is using his DNA. Then he gets his cool robot guy to rip Jürgen Prochnow's arms off. Apparently, they filmed this in like full, they created a full dummy. It Blood went everywhere. And then the, the producers were like, no, stop, please. You just spent four days on this. This little robot is a toy in the Burger King meal. What's going on? So cool. It is so cool. Dread and co break into where the Janus machine is being kept, but the cool robot stops them, grabs Diane Lane, Rico is in control and has captured Dread. Send in the clones. <laughs> Uh-oh, how is our hero going to get out of this jam? He says send in the clones. That wasn't me. No, no, it's uh, good looking makeup work on the clones, like they're mm -hmm. unfinished humans, uh, they, but they don't look like Armando Sunday. They all look like Sylvester Stallone wearing blue eye makeup. I know they're supposed to be clones themselves. Too. What do you mean? They all look like weird little flesh guys. Yeah. What do you think Stallone looks like? Yeah, this is they the... kind of look like mermaids to me. Like a mermaid <laughs> yeah, yeah, vibe. they like look like scales? shape of water creatures. Like the, I, that's what I was sure. getting. Or like the Icemen from Game of Thrones. Yeah. Sort of? yeah, 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 yeah. They kind of got that vibe. White Walkers. Yeah. What I did love... I say? Icemen. <laughs> I love this bit. I love this bit in particular because it's Jürgen like talking around um, Sylvester has some great lines. But the thing I noticed most is Sylvester Stallone is standing like a little kid this entire this entire time. He's got like his arms out and his elbows back and it looked like he's got a really full little diaper. <laughs> <laughs> he's got this weird cute baby stance and yeah. it's the only time they frame anyone as taller than him because he's standing on the bottom of the stairs. So he's looking up at the he's looking up at the um all the clones like uh like a toddler so rico Sorry. and dread argue rico then orders the cool robot who at this point and i don't think at any other point in the script calls him arnold <laughs> did you guys notice that he's like arnold rip his hands off i think you're right they, they don't call him Arnold. yeah he tells him to kill dread but it turns out rob uh, rob schneider robert schneider has hacked arnold yep. <laughs> and then the hey, robot arnold. punches rico who escapes mm. diane lane and joan chen punch each other very rude they should get along amanda sante does have a line delivery in this sequence absolutely i'd love to hear all about it it's between like sylvester stallone and they have like this little running bit that sort of builds and then sylvester Sloan goes, you betrayed the law. And then he just, uh, Mandasani just roars at him and just goes, law. <laughs> it is one of the greatest line deliveries I've seen in a movie recently. That's he great. sounds like someone turning on a chainsaw. Sounds like someone doing an impression of Benedict Cumberbatch's smog. <laughs> it's really good. I watched that one sequence like three times because it just made my brain feel nice. <laughs> you are such a funny little bunny sometimes. Diane Lane jo and Joan Chen punch each other. Rico then awakens the clones. They're all very weird looking, great stuff, but they come to nothing. The fact- He sit up. 
they just sit up and then nothing happens. They have no stakes to them whatsoever. Nothing matters. So crazy. We can all just go home. So uh, Rico and Dredd then punch each other on the Statue of Li- Liberty. Armand Asante says, I'm the only one who ever liked you. They've And, <laughs> and then Judge Dredd says, I'll be the judge of that. That's good. He's, the, he's Judge Dredd. That's his name. Then he says the thing about, I charge you of being guilty of the crime of being human when we could have been gods, which almost sounds like a good line. <laughs> I think you could put... Amanda Sante's character in any movie with a plot and he would be fantastic. Yeah, that would be fun. Stallone almost falls out of the Statue of Liberty but managed to save himself and fling Rico out who then dies. So Stallone is saved, uh, saved by his gun running out of lethal rounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is no wow time. Isn't that kind of an interesting statement? Maybe instead of killing, we should be throwing people out of buildings. <laughs> Off the Statue of Liberty. I mean, well, the statue of what, Seamus? So the clones waking up meant nothing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, they save the day. Dread is back on the force. Diane Lane ki- kisses him. Nice work if you can get it. Dread rides off and everyone cheers. He says that he's a street judge now. Credits roll almost desperately, as if to say, please, you can go now. <laughs> and that is. Um, about um, the movie about my friend Joshua Dredd. <laughs> this Joseph. happened to my buddy. Why is jo- Joseph Dredd the funniest name? I don't know why. It makes me laugh jo- every time. Because it's so close to judge. Because yeah, <laughs> it's like, Dredd. oh, you're Judge Dredd. Oh, that's no, it's not why Joseph. it's funny to me. Why it's funny to me is that Joseph is a name of an old man. It's just, it's just a really <laughs> it's normal like, name. So, hey, Joseph. Yeah, old Uncle old Joe. Joe Drudge. <laughs> old Joe Drudge. Old Joe Drudge. Old Joe Drudge. You know, he used Dredd. to be a Drudge. Would Joe Dredd be better? Yeah, it would, actually. Yeah, Joseph. They, everyone it's calls Joseph. him Joseph. Yeah. Joss Dredd. <gasps> <gasps> oh no! <laughs> that's how we knew that's about the long walk. That's how we knew about the long walk. He's like, actually, actually, it's a huge honor. It's a huge honor to get the longest walk. Okay. I was and thinking when he earlier. goes, when Joss finally retires from freelance editing, he'll have to do the longest walk to bring the good word of editing our podcast to the masses. I have to say, Joss has like a little bit of a young sounder. <laughs> to take it to the Samsung oh, ad so editors of the oar. Oh my god. <laughs> He's a, he's a little Bobby side Joss. owl face, Joss. I was what thinking. What are you talking really, about? I don't know. There's a little bit of a, he looks a is little bit like he, a young side owl. He has like a Northern European face. Yeah, and like quite yeah. beautiful. He's got blue eyes, doesn't he? Yes. Yeah, he's got like beautiful blue. I thought that when you mentioned it, I was like, I could see him being a young side owl. I more of a Stallone blue eye, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. A, real Stallone a real twinkle blue in his Stallone blue eye. Old Stallone blue eyes, yeah. they call him. Joss was famously blinded in both eyes at some point. <laughs> oh, God. So guys, what do we think of the movie Joseph Dredd. <laughs> I think that we are all in agreement of that it starts five somewhat strong <laughs> and then it really like there's just no redeeming that ending unfortunately. Yeah. But in terms of what this podcast is talking about uh, with Nigel Felt's production design, I think it's a really solid design and I think Incredible. that they captured a lot of the world and I think it was like a lot of fun as a design. Like mm. I had a lot of fun being in that place uh, until I had to do the longest walk out of there. Um, I, I that think- is actually after this podcast, you have to do the longest <laughs> walk out of out of this studio. <laughs> There's really nothing good in this world, is there? It's like you can become a judge, but then you have to do a long walk into the desert <laughs> and you'll probably you get talking- killed by cannibals. <laughs> just like that I is Just clogged each other because we both thought you were talking about our this world, world. the you- real world. I mean, it's really like, honestly. There's really nothing good in this world, is there? It's like, Charlie, you're all right, dude. Like, just came back you, from man. holiday. Yeah, <laughs> that is that classic post-holiday blues. It is. You take I, the long walk. I was in fact <laughs> talking about the universe of Judge Dredd, so don't worry. Okay, that's good to know. Glad to know you're doing good. Uh- <laughs> I love to think like 
you know, if you could pick a world, like any, you know, fictional world, like what, which one would you pick to be in? And um, I can safely say it's not <laughs> It's not, not this, this one. one. I'd choose heaven uh, <laughs> if I had to choose. Seamus, do you want to pick one really quickly? Cloudy uh, with a chance of meatballs. Fuck off. That sounds terrifying. That's terrifying. No, only in weather the, events all the time. Only in the 50 minutes where yeah, the You can't just fine. choose 50 minutes. Can't just choose you have to live there forever, live there forever. And you're also not the protagonist. That's how this works. So I, in, if I'm in Judge Dredd, then yeah, I'm probably... That's why I'm choosing Italian style. heaven. <laughs> that's... <laughs> hey, actually, not a bad thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nigel Phelps, the production design of this movie, the one thing that I wanted to shout out that I didn't bring up in the recap is the design of the taxis, yeah. which they sent Wonderful. to Land Rover, and Land Rover did, like, the full designs of the taxis, and they're really fucking cool looking. All the vehicle design is incredible, from the thing that Schneider climbs into, which is, like, a little cleaner device that is, like, semi-adroid from Star Wars, kind of plus-plus, uh, to the fucking cool Ferrari thing that floats off the ground, which feels like it's kind of back to the future-y. Like, there's, there's all this kind of, like, mishmash of different kind of influences and and things that are all kind of coming together in somehow a world that I do, even though the plot and performances are all over the place, the world itself feels really cohesive. It does. Yeah, yeah. it does yeah. actually. And it also um has a lot of Gotham in it. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This feels like a, uh, yeah, like a, yeah. a Gotham Plus or like a Gotham, or like a new Gotham. Like the Batman Beyond Gotham. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because to me, Gotham is like is less futuristic in terms of like it's sort of like gothic. Yeah, if you that, like, I mean, yeah, uh, um, <laughs> it's not set in the future. But yeah, yeah but I mean, like title. this one, I don't know. Yeah, I I love the design of this. I love the world. So good job, Nigel Phelps. Probably good definitely, job, honestly, job. can safely say that this movie is remembered for its good design. As people always say, like I think a lot of the reviews Even that I was reading were literally just like. Um, really great design that's kind of ruined by a rush plot is sort of the over yeah. um, and some terrible performances. Um, it's kind of funny when you like really think about a movie for like two hours and then you're like, yeah, I agree with what everyone said. 100%. <laughs> really rush plot. Looks good. Looks yeah, good. 100%. I thought, like yeah, Spops. I was the same as you. I really thought that I was going to come in and be like, everyone is sleeping on this movie. Everyone's like, sleeping I, on it. halfway point, I was it just like, I'm so a, sorry. It is such a good first Forty minutes. Yeah, um, no, I think fifteen, this... and then it's kind of fine for another and then half. Yeah, I agree. Trash. Then it's like yeah. actually. A really I cool. think this. Yeah, I think this movie is better than people say it is. I would never because this movie is like people think it sucks. Mm. I don't think it sucks. If you want some like watchable trashy fun that looks quite nice, uh, like. Uh, I mean, I mean, I mentioned the net earlier uh, in in the introduction. The net is. A very silly, trashy movie. But if it's that's the sort of vibe you're into, you know, it's a six out of ten. You Are know? you saying that you demand justice for dread? That's I, I sure do. <laughs> justice for Joseph. I, I agree. I think this movie is like not as bad as it has a twenty two percent on Rotten Tomatoes, way which I think low. is way too. I mean, low. that's just the like production, thumbs up, thumbs down. It's probably huge fans of the um, you know, imagine if I was like a big Judge Dread fan of the actual like source material, you'd be feel feel more offended. But by also, that movie. people hated this movie when it came, like hated this movie when it came. I'd yeah. say it is at least the first fifty minutes. I would say I would probably give it closer to a five than a six, but I wouldn't say it's like, yeah, it's not unwatchable. It is, I think, for the first 50 minutes, eminently watchable. Mm. Mm. And then there are, like, there is enough cuckoo bananas, line deliveries, and performances to have a good kind time. Of- it's worth watching for the robot, honestly. This fucking Arnold is my boy. Arnold's Mean Arnold's Machine boy. is my boy. 
The if robots. Guys, if you guys are out there, if you ever want to hang out, just hit me up. <laughs> it's one of my favorite designs of a robot I've ever seen. I He's a cool guy. Cool. Oh, man. He looks like friendly. So he looks really friendly, but also he'll like rip your limbs he'll off. rip your limbs off if you he, get if you get in his way. You know he's he's kind of he's kind of nice with it like that. He reminds me a lot of um, uh, Brendan Fraser's character in Doom Doom Patrol. Patrol. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, Manbot. Same sort of I think thing. he's called Manbot. Man, <laughs> really, Manbot. Something like come on, come on, Doom Patrol. You can do better. Uh, there you go. I, I think come that's on, wrong. Doom Patrol. <laughs> 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 I will, yeah, and like the thing about this movie is, and apologies for sounding like a broken record as I always do, but there is something about like this movie has a very clear and very obvious and very rote three act structure where it's introducing a character and then the, the death of the um, you know mentor and then they go into the thing. There's a very clear third act. It's like a skeleton that is really kind of structured and rote. But you're watching it and you're like, oh, they don't just make boring movies like this anymore. Like, because there's no, like, you know, they don't have to introduce another character. There's, it never looks like mush. It, I'm never like, I can't understand what's happening on screen. Like, uh, in the bike sequence, there are hey, points that hey, I just cannot. There is no way you can mistake that they are biking. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're never like, oh, the, the compositing is so good sure. here that I'm actually losing them in the wonder of the city. <laughs> You're like, there they are. Yeah, that's fair, that's fair. <laughs> just in terms of clarity. But I just mean like- It just felt slow as well. Like, oh, it's the- yeah, It feels like the slowest <laughs> chase that has ever happened and some like, of the, to anyone, and that's a problem. Some of the tracking of where the other bikes are, you're just like, I can't, I can't yeah. tell any yeah. of this weird shit. But well, I mean, at the time, I see I'm what sure, you mean. Like, it's a very rote kind of, and I, I imagine this was such so much of the backlash at the time, where it was like, everyone's like, yeah, we make forty of these a year. I don't want to see this shit anymore. This is a bad one of mm. something that we've seen a bunch of, and now you watch it and you're like, we don't really get this kind of meat and potatoes bullshit anymore. And it is quite watchable. Yeah, I guess like Geostorm or sure, like- Sure, yeah, or like a plane that came out earlier this yeah. year, which is like I better than this movie quite considerably, but is a similar sort of like, hey man, you want a movie that just works? Well, we the got thing you. Is, they do still come out. They just don't cost what this cost and they're not mm. with the IPs that this is. Yeah. It is the IP movies are getting more like, the IP movies are getting more money and are being like more controlled in sort of the mechanisms by which they're controlling. Yeah. And then like these, the dad movies are still being made. The Sl the Sly Sloan like action movies. For sure, yeah. This yeah, is yeah. kind of, I think this is kind of closer to like the Marvel mush in terms of its overproduction towards the end where that final, because I, I, I think the third act has the problem of like so many beats in the third act that mm. kind of suck. Like I think this is where, but to me, that doesn't feel like producer interference. It, it feels like the writer did not do a very good job. I think <laughs> and I'm a, not saying one is better than the other, but, but it's just it's different. Just, I think it is the same, it, but it has sort of that same multi, multi like over too many beats from the in that third act where it's like you have the chase, you have the explosion, you have the fight on the Statue of Liberty and all of them like you have the break-in, you have all of these points skimmed through, these action beats skimmed to to get these like shots, but you can't, track how they all relate. I think that is kind I think this movie is kind of closer to that modern movie problem, but it does have a normal third act. It it is short a little bit shorter. <laughs> no 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 no. This we can't get into this again. This is this is this is structured like an old school movie in, yeah. a, in a way that uh the you know uh 
Black Panther Wakanda Forever is just not. Just kind of throws all that sure. out of the window. You know what I mean? It's like if you compare those two, they, they're not written in the same language, like in terms of structure. Right. So who's MVP? Mimishin. It's not, it's not close. Mimishin came in, stole my heart, and then turned it into a little robot that was also a little bit mean. And then he ran away with it. Christopher Adamson. Shout out to Christopher Adamson, my boy. I would also like a little dial on my head. I'm trying to say anything other than the ABC warrior that growls at everyone. Mm-hmm. I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's obviously yeah. that is MVP. But but James Earl Jones. <laughs> yeah, you did a good job. <laughs> you Just. made me think this movie was going to rock. Yeah. I also was like, oh, is there going to be a bunch of James Earl Jones narration in this movie? Would have been Good better. choice. Yeah. <laughs> I am going to go with Versace. I really liked good pick. the leotard Gianni. and I liked the, um, the boots and the big bulk and I thought they looked – Good. Yeah, fucking looks awesome. And he died like two years after this movie came out. Crazy. Crazy. Very basic question. Is this better than Holes? This movie is is not. This is worse than Holes. But does this movie look better than Holes? I mean, there's two. You can't compare them. I mean, in terms of giving it Nigel. Holes does look pretty good. The Uh, thing about Holes is that it has all those holes. Has all those holes. And the yellow-eyed lizards. And the yellow-eyed lizards. And the peach and mango. Peaches and onions. Peaches and onions. I have a quick game we can play. I love, love I'm a gamer. A little quick game. I love to play games. Very simple one. Uh, You guys have to guess which one of these is not a character from the extended Judge Dredd universe. I would love to play Ooh. this. And the way it's going to work is you can each have one guess Do until one of you oh, picks right. it. Okay. And as Charlie has won every single one of these games, mm. Lincoln, you will be able to guess first. Yes. So okay. the list is Mr. Buzz. Can I just say something? I think it's actually a disadvantage to guess first in this game. <laughs> we'll find continue. out. Mr. Buzz, Precious Leglock, Max Normal, Henry Ford, Satan, Moon Unit, Rhinus Limpopo Quince. Which one of those is, is the fake? What, what is the last name? Is that all one name? Rhinus Limpopo Quince. Okay, okay, I can't remember everything names. you read that's out. Real. Mr. Buzz, Precious Leglock, Max Normal, Henry Ford, Satan, Moon Unit, Rhinus Limpopo Quince. Moon Unit is a Seamus Quinn invention. Incorrect. Bah! But it is the fake one. Yes. Moon Unit is, in fact, Frank Zappa's daughter. Yeah, yes. I was going to say, I was about to say that. <laughs> one, four, one. And what did I win? You have won a copy of Hotel Transylvania oh, 2. Now, the reason I bought this was because I thought Rob Schraub was in it. Uh, no, Rob, Rob Schneider was <laughs> in it. The director. <laughs> I thought Rob Schneider was in it. Turns out he's not. He no. doesn't make this one. No. Uh, is he in the first one? Uh, nope. <laughs> <laughs> I just no, thought because Sandler was in it. Sandler's in it. Seemed like, like a safe bet. No, I think, yeah, no, no, he's not. But no, that's he so exciting. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. It's number two. <laughs> <laughs> I'm salty. Yeah, you've never lost before. You never don't know lost. what it feels like. Didn't even get to play. I know. Yeah. Doesn't, doesn't that feel bad <laughs> to, not, to not even get a chance to play? <laughs> and of course, it's, it's sawn by Cormac McCarthy. <laughs> I got to say, your your writing of McCarthy is just squit. Like you're phoning this in. Well, this was done on the car ride here. <laughs> what do you mean? I didn't write it. <laughs> Thank you so much for tuning into our episode on 1995's Judge Dredd and our Nigel Phelps series, who's a wonderful, prolific production designer. This is the second one. We just done Batman last week. Next week, we will be coming at you very hot, very, very hot, uh, for the classic epic Troy, which I have so many feelings I'm about. I'm so stoked to talk about so, Troy. I don't think I've ever seen Troy. <gasps> I only watched it this year. 
I've never seen it. I'm very excited to watch it. At the cinemas. I'm going to go ahead and say that I'm going to like it. I will say. You're... I don't know. We'll see. I, I, yeah, we'll talk about it next week. So thank you so much for tuning in. If you like any of our content, anything like that, you can find us on all the social media things like Instagram, uh, follow us on YouTube. If you're watching this. Hello, shorts and everything. Just supporting cast pod. <laughs> hello, um, shorts. Hello, shorts. Hello, nice shorts. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. And yeah, if you have any thoughts or feelings, please go ahead and comment. We love to engage with people and often we are wrong. <laughs> we love so, to engage online. <laughs> we do. We like nothing more. Um, yeah, and if you have any other Nigel Phelps, uh, you know, tidbits or anything we've missed or if you think that we have um, done Judge Dredd a massive disservice, have a yell at us. Because, oh, if um, anyone's a big Dreddy, if anyone's a Judge Dredd fan out there, please, please hit us up. I'd love to know what's going on in your sick little brain. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. Peace. <laughs>